0: What is up people and thank you so much for listening to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host EJ Stewart. We got a lot of football this week. The offseason is definitely heating up when you got free agency. You got the CBA negotiations and the NFL combine uh, uh, underway over in Indianapolis. So we're gonna have a lot of football stuff at the top of the show. We'll also have um, of course, our, our Kendall's Court segment will have our Flames and Trash, so this should be a really fun show. I hope you guys will enjoy it. Joining me is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, what are you looking forward to talking about today? Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, it's always good when we talk about some uh, some NFL topics, uh, but we're also going to talk a lot about uh, the end of the show. Uh, as many people know, my guy, Jason Tatum, has been on a tear uh and uh, establishing himself as a as a uh, certifiable star player in, in the in this league so we'll talk about that but uh for for Kendall's court I have a very interesting story about uh an, a hockey game between the Carolina uh Hurricanes and the Toronto Maple Leafs and it better be good we talking the about the Maple Leafs and Hurricanes <laughs> at this yeah, point you know, this something season. crazy must have happened if I'm talking about that but uh <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you the story of uh, What happened when the Carolina Hurricanes did not have A goalie On their roster What did they do? If you haven't heard the story uh, You'll hear it uh, at the end of the show Alright So that's a tease right there I don't know uh, what Kendall's referring to But um should be, should be a good stuff So make sure you stay for that at the end of the show But let's start at the top of the show And whew. This was kind of a uh, this was a big deal with uh, this news that came out this week, especially because we kind of didn't know what was going on with Tom Brady. But um, shout out to ESPN's Jeff Darlington. He seems to be the scoop man when it comes to everything Brady. And he came out this morning and basically said that Brady's time in New England is all but over. Uh, he was on Get Up this morning. He put out a report on ESPN.com. He says that Tom Brady is headed into free agency expecting to play somewhere else other than New England in 2020. Darlington added he would be stunned, stunned if Brady put on a Pats uniform again and that he's been telling people close to him that he is heading out the door. He apparently hasn't had any contact with the Pats in a very long time, months, I believe, signaling perhaps maybe the team is also ready to move on. So, Kendall, this is actually really the first time we've really sat down and really discussed this, you know, brady free agency and here it appears that um again his time in new england may be up kendall if this is true with the way it's being framed is that brady is ready to leave is brady smart to want to leave new england um to answer your question your direct question i mean it really depends on I mean look, free agency decisions are always very personal. So I never like saying somebody's smart or dumb for doing anything like that because I look, I don't know I don't know all the details, but if we're talking purely football, if he wants to win a Super Bowl next year, if you're asking me, are there better options in New England out there? I would say so. Um you know, I think there are other teams better equipped with better rosters uh, They could probably pay him more money or are willing to pay him more money. Um, now, obviously, New England is, you know, kind of the situation that, you know, if you're Tom Brady and they have yet to really miss the playoffs, on, you know, him under center. So and the AFC East is not does not look like it's going to be some daunting task next season, although Buffalo is on the rise. So you, I mean, you have no reason to believe you wouldn't get back there next year. So it's not as if um, the New England situation is terrible, but that situation does seem to be on the decline. You know, he the the receiving the receivers uh, continue to get worse. Uh, you know, the weapons continue to get worse. Uh, their team right now is carried by their defense, and I, like if you're Tom Brady, you're arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. And there are other teams out there with better weapons, better running backs, better wideouts, better tight ends, better O-lines, and potentially better defenses that are courting you. I mean, of course, you have to consider it. Um, Now, when you talk about the legacy thing, that's a whole other conversation. You know, should Tom Brady leave? Would he be smart for leaving from a legacy standpoint? Uh, I could see... um, I can see there is an there is an ego thing that suggests that there is a there there is a the notion that you know Brady um, he hasn't won anything without Belichick and that's always going to be tied to his legacy if he doesn't leave and. I mean look, it doesn't really affect Michael Jordan that <laughs> he never won without Phil Jackson. Nobody looks at him and says, Well, Michael Jordan, he couldn't win without Phil Jackson and it's like, I mean, all right, sure. But um but it's it's a real thing and you know, it, when I look at Tom Brady, if he were to go to Tennessee and win with Mike Rabel, win a Super Bowl with Mike Rabel in the in the Tennessee Titans or if you if you were to go to Dallas and win with mike mccarthy or go to la i mean las vegas and win with gruden that's a whole different situation now you look at brady and it puts him on another tier of athlete of he's not a system guy because that's still the one thing that people knock him for that he's a system guy but and that may be something that personally is there for him that he that he uh he he has he has to battle with so for me, I would say I don't think it's, I don't think it's dumb. I think there are reasons both legacy wise and practically uh, on the field why he would leave. and I mean, look, I've, I've talked to people in the league that, that that also would not be surprised if he left. so this isn't like uh, this isn't something that's coming completely out of left field. You know there have been kind of some rumblings over the last you know two or three weeks that you know him and Belichick. You know, stuff coming out about stuff coming out about them, and you know, even stuff with, uh, like the fact that you said they haven't really spoken. That's something that we have to pay attention to because yeah. if these contracts don't come up out of nowhere. You know, they take time to make, and if, if him and New, if them if if those two sides haven't have had no dialogue, then that's not a great sign. If you're a Patriots fan that wants Tom Brady back, so that's the Brady side. Um, I'm I'm a kind of hedge my bet here. I know that's going to probably annoy the listeners, but I'm going to say it could be smart depending on where he goes. I think that overall, I feel like there definitely is a man. I don't know if the grass is greener on the other side feel for me in terms of leaving New England because what we don't understand is while there are I'm about to mention some options that certainly could make some sense. What makes New England such made them such a dominant franchise, is their ability to withstand pretty much anything. Um, literally, withstand even a Tom Brady injury and almost making the playoffs when Matt Castle took them and won 10 games and, or 11 games, however many games he won. That one year, Brady had the ACL injury. Uh, they could withstand any star being cut. They could withstand any star being um, injured. And they still are able to be one of the top teams in the conference and always give themselves a chance at winning. And when you look at these other teams we're talking about, yes, there are teams that have some talent, but they haven't really won anything. So if Brady's gonna leave one of those teams, one like leave the Patriots to go to one of those teams, what may look like a nice shiny object, maybe one bad injury, you know, one bad relationship with a coach, or one other thing that we're not kind of foreseeing thing away from their season being completely kaput. And I don't know. How much I think we kinda of underestimate how much Bill Belichick is able to put together some of these teams that he's had over the years with you know, shoestring and bubblegum and allow them to somehow still get to the Super Bowl or go deep into the playoffs. But has that has that hindered them? Have they has Belichick now become cheap on yes. that level? Yes, it has. And that's why Brady's fed up. Um, it has hindered them. I'm not saying that that's I, I don't disagree with that. Now he feel but, like he can put you know, <laughs> you know, Nikhil Harry out there. Right, and exactly. Fever. And, they're, they're, and they had issues. Fine. You're 100% right. That is, that is fair. But at the same time, my concern is, okay, you go to another team who, yes, they may have better talent on paper, but the infrastructure isn't there for them to compete on the level that Brady is expecting. The level of excellence that he demands and requires, they might not be able to come up to his level, even with more talent. Brady, I mean, Belichick... And the way the New England system is run, he doesn't allow for mediocrity. Only but so far, I mean, clearly there was a lot of mediocrity on the team this year, but they still won the division fairly easily. They still were one of the best teams in the conference and had a chance at home field uh, advantage before the things fell apart towards the end of the regular season. So I'm kind of I had my bets on that. So that's why to me, like I know New Tennessee is a team that's been mentioned a lot. I think Tennessee is a terrible fit. I, I I don't see. A team that has a lot of you know, you know, great talent that's kind of just obvious there. Obviously, you got Henry in the backfield. We'll see, you know, what he's like after taking, you know, after carrying the ball three hundred and fifty times, however many times he carried it this season, all those carries he had in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, Brady's going to be there for one year, man. Just give just give me I'm one just, year, give me two Kendall, years. You know how unpredictable running backs are from year to year. Especially running backs that took the pound and Chris Henry uh remember, had remember Sean Alexander after he won Derrick Henry, I'm sorry. And, and, yes, exactly. And, and and it wasn't like, again, this wasn't like a guy who, who, you know, rested in the playoffs or didn't, you know, took time off during the offseason. This guy had a deep playoff run. He was carrying the ball 25, 30 times. So, Derrick Henry and, and, and where he's at, I'm not saying that I mean, you got to come in expecting he's going to be a great player, but it's just, it's just a question. I mean, well, um, you got, and you got A.J. Brown, AJ, AJ Brown, is, AJ Brown is, is, I mean, Corey Davis is almost a boss. I mean, he's a decent yeah, he's been player. A bust, look, you got some talent, man. I mean, Adam Humphreys. Corey Davis and Nikhil, uh, <laughs> he's Nikhil Harry. Man. But my thing though, is that my point is that you were looking at, I'm looking at that team and I'm like, that, I mean, you guys should have beat them in the playoffs. Like they, they should have won that game at home. Like, I don't, like if you're leaving for that team. I just feel like, I don't think you would be, I still don't think you're beating Baltimore or Kansas City. So I guess- like, to me, if you're leaving Tennessee, you're leaving, uh, uh, you're leaving New England. to go to Tennessee. I think mean, that that would not be a smart move, in my opinion. A coach who is shown promise, but still, I I just don't. I Rabel had did a great job during this postseason, and he made fact and he kind of maneuvered the regular season the way that was definitely uh, commendable. But man, I really don't want to jump out the window about him being this great coach yet. I just I still want to hold out a little bit. The jury's I think a little still a bit out on variable now you're telling me and now tom brady would have more confidence in variable than most for sure and he probably knows real better than i do or many of us do so i do get that i don't think the raiders make a lot of sense to leave new england for the raiders the raiders you're talking about talent i mean defensively they they've shown that they have some pieces here and there Offensively they have some pieces here and there but no real stars and brady's got to go that's brady going to another team and having to carry them now you got a brand new arena you got nicer weather, you know. So that will certainly probably help his game. But to me, if you're going to Las Vegas, it, you're just going because it's Las Vegas and you, you might be like Gruden and Mayock. And, and like, I'll admit, they have, they have shown that they may be building something positive there. But uh, to me, that's, if Brady wanted to carry a team, he should just stay where he is with the more, you know, proven commodity in New England. Now, to me, the team that I'm looking at is, okay, if you want to jump, if you're gonna jump anywhere, I say you jump someplace like the the Chargers, you know, where you do have you know top-notch level talent at wide receiver. Uh, you do have edge rushes on defense that definitely put fear in um, in other quarterbacks. That's the kind of place I would look at. You're still also going to a new stadium. You're going to Los Angeles, Hollywood. That makes sense. I think a team like the 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 Buccaneers would even make more sense than the Raiders or the the Titans to me. Tom um, Brady playing in Tampa Bay. Kendall. No. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin with Tom Brady? Bruce Arians is mean, the coach. Sounds enticing. It sounds enticing. That, I mean, that's... that's a QB guru. That's serious. I'm not... Now, look, I get it. It's Tampa Bay. I get it. But if you're talking that's about... That's Phil Rivers Philip man. But look, man. If, 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 Tom if, speed. But look, Kendall. If you're talking about a retirement job, fl- that's where Florida is where you go. The, the, the division... Right, is that, is that where Giselle's going? The and division... division I mean, look, it, it's it's a short it's a short flight to Miami. She could live in Miami, and you'd be fine. It, 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 you know, you don't have to live in Tampa. Only he'd have to live in Tampa. You could get a nice little apartment or whatever, and you could you could she could live in Miami. He could fly during the week. It, you know, it'll be fine. It's only 16, 17 games throughout the season anyway. I I'm telling you, I think that that those two teams to me will make more sense. I get the location with Tampa makes it a little enticing, but I mean, you talk about. Again, another team, great pass rush, great wide receivers. That's 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 enticing to me. But to me, if my number 1 choice for Brady would be the Chargers. You know, that uh, to no. me is the, that's the location, that's the spot If you're going to jump, okay, jump there because the talent is so overwhelming, they underachieved so much that you would think yeah, Brady got there, like he could change things immediately cuz Rivers was a no. turnover machine last year. Brady won't at least do that. I mean, look the quarterback, uh, the quarterback musical chairs that we're going to see this all season could be could be spectacular. spectacular from a sense of you know as a football fan. It yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun, fascinating. But uh, so, like, I mean, I mean, we could put Brady in any situation. We could put him in Chicago. We could put him in Dallas. We could put him in uh, Indy, Detroit. Like there are random places that we could put him in. That obviously some of them don't make any sense, but. Um, there are so many teams, Carolina, that we don't know. If we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Um, imagine, imagine, uh, Tom Brady with uh, Joe Brady. That should be interesting. That would be. I just, I just think that to me, like, when in seeing Tom Brady make this move, I, I'm going with the Peyton Manning template. When Manning left the Colts, or he was showing the door, however you want to look at it, and he was picking teams, and he looked and talked to a lot of different teams. I think he did a great job of seeing the forest through the trees in terms of coach and talent. I think he saw a guy in John Fox who he was impressed by, um, a guy who had been to the Super Bowl before, you know, without, with Jake Delhomme. So, I mean, again, you go to Peyton Manning, that's, you know, from the outhouse to the, to the penthouse. So, and he saw guys like Eric Decker and Demarius Thomas and Julius Thomas, guys who looked ordinary next to Tim Tebow. But when, but you saw these guys had some talent because with Tim Tebow they would even make some plays, and and he was able to see that. So I think if Brady, if I'm looking at but that, is template, that not Tennessee, like Ryan no, because I don't because i winning games in was winning games in the playoffs. Imagine because I don't think Ray I, Tom I, Brady, Tom Brady, because here's why because I don't think Bravil is nearly as much a sure thing as John Fox's was. I don't think that. Uh, AJ Brown is talented, and obviously they got a great running game, which is also something that that uh, that Denver had as well. But I I think that I don't think that there's this crazy crazy unlocked potential outside of AJ Brown for the receivers and all the guys in Tennessee. Like I, I think that he maybe the guy's okay. Could he go from you no? Know, what he have 1,100 yards this year? Could he go to 1,400? Yeah, on the Brady, I can maybe see that. I don't see another guy that's that's. Just gonna put up big numbers now because Tom Brady's there. I think that their talent is their talent. Those other guys were clearly being held back. I mean, Tannehill is 100 times better than Tebow was playing for the for the Broncos. So that was kind of more clear to see. To now for me, Brady. I look at what I saw from you know Mike Williams and and Keenan Allen playing for Phillip Rivers. Yes, those guys this year were definitely being held back. And if I put Tom Brady. If he's accurate, if he's healthy with those guys, those guys' numbers I can see balloon. And forget about the guys in Tampa Bay. Those guys have big numbers already. Because James Wilson he can put up yards and touchdowns. It's the turnovers that are the issue. So I don't even want to think about the numbers those guys would put up with Tom Brady throwing the rock. That's what I'm talking about. Like in Oakland, I don't see a, a receiving core. You know, Jacobs is a nice running back. You know, he, he's probably the best offensive player. Um,. I mean, they are really, Waller's a really good tight end, but I don't, I don't see this just great potential for them to explode offensively the way maybe the Denver Broncos did under Peyton Manning. They went from one of the worst offenses to one of the greatest offenses of all time in one season. If I'm Brady, I'm looking for, okay, where can I see that where the infrastructure is right and they just drop me in there, everything changes. Now, that that to me, I don't think that that's Tennessee. I think Tennessee, if he gets there, they're still a running (laughs) football team there's still going to be, you know, timely passing and there'll be a better team, but they still are it's going to be a long day when they have to play against Kansas City, a team that's going to put up 40 30 40 points every game. I think it's still going to be tough sledding. I think if he went to Los Angeles and he was going up against uh Kansas City with those athletes that they got on the outside, I think now now we're cooking with gas. You know, if if he's in the, the NFC South and he's taking those guys down in in, in Tampa and he's got to go up against you know, Drew Brees is back, it looks like. Drew Brees in, in New Orleans and those other teams in the, in the NFC, he's got to try to worry about that pass rush with the um, with the 49ers if you're talking about a deep playoff run. I, I, I foresee that being special. I don't foresee... I definitely don't foresee the Raiders being special. I think the Titans are a risk. I'm not saying that it can't work, oh, but man, I, think he, that, I think that that's he, a leap of faith. I, I would rather stay in New England. What we can't forget is, uh you know... Wherever Brady goes, you know, according to AB, he's going with him. So, <laughs> well, look, Mike Mayak already said that clown is not showing up five feet, ten, ten, Yo, you know 30, funny, fifty Mike feet Tomlin, within the the Oakland Oakland Raiders facility. He's, he said that he will not Mike be Tomlin's, back. I don't know if you saw Mike Tomlin's interview that he had on First Take. I wanted I to, about, I didn't get to see it. Yeah, it was about the old Mason Rudolph thing, but they brought up, um, they brought up they asked him about Antonio Brown, and Mike Tomlin's response, and you know. It was long-winded, but eventually he got to the point of, you know, we care about AB and his well-being and, you know, his future as a man. But right now, there's no business interest in Antonio Brown at this time. And Bad when they hit you with the business interests. Like, they they making it mad that, on that, For me, that, that that means we are never signing into yeah. Antonio Brown. Yeah, as a Pittsburgh Steel, he was like you know we love him as a Pittsburgh Steel. He was great for us, you know we care about him and his well-being. We hope he gets better, but we have no business interest at this time. But then what was crazy was Max Kellerman on the show was like, I think this means that the it's very interesting. He says no business interest at this time. This means that they could be looking at him. I'm like, that's not no, how that's I not interest. that's not how I read it. When I hear business, that Tomlin, means there's Tomlin, no. A, he's a savvy media guy. He wasn't gonna throw his guy under the bus, but he was he was making it clear just. You know, don't call us. <laughs> yeah, whenever you hear that we're not gonna do business, it's just never. That's that's just that that that's nothing's gonna happen. That's all now, you need to know. Whenever you, you, so we like, ain't England doing side. business with this guy. Yeah, exactly. With the New England side, though, where do how do they recover? And do they need to recover? Like, is Glory. If you're a <laughs> fan, are, you, <laughs> are you panicking? Yes, I, I to me, I don't, I, I don't for But what like, about Belichick? What about the whole? Right. So here's the thing. Oh, well, I, I guess I still have to see how they would figure this whole thing out. Because do we look at Belichick? Because we have this feeling of Belichick that he can put anybody out there. He's the greatest coach ever. Give him, give him 10 Joe Schmoes, 11 Joe Schmoes on and defense. He could, he could still turn them into an 8-9, 10-win team. This is the true test. And we say this, but at the same time, we're also bashing Belichick. For drafting Nikhil Harry <laughs> in the first round and expecting him to be your number one receiver, and you know, getting rid of everybody, you know, not replacing Rob Gronkowski and doing little things like that, like at, at what point do we say, all right, his talent evaluation has dipped a little bit in recent years, but but we're also going to give him the credit that he's going to be able to find a successor to Tom Brady. I mean, I I mean, I guess he didn't want to leave get get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, but he did. So I don't know. I mean. Yeah, his hand was forced in that in that deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, it, it, to me, in panicking, it, you ask me, are you panicking? It's it's relative. Like, am, am I do I if I'm trying to win a Super Bowl? Yes, this is a sheer panic. You have zero chance to win a Super Bowl if Tom Brady leaves the door. Now, if, I'm not talking about make the playoffs, long term, be be, health be respectable. Uh, Teddy, for the he health might, health he health might turn Teddy Bridgewater. He might turn Teddy Bridgewater into a ten win. Ten win quarterback for the Patriots if he puts not and not plays even, his cards right. I not can see that immediately. Not even immediately for next season, but uh, long term, the post Brady era is it gonna look like the post Jordan Bulls? I mean, is it gonna look like you, the post LeBaron? You, like, you were like two years old during the post Jordan Bulls, but I mean, that's I can't imagine looking that back because Kendall, I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything that sad. You know, like the post LeBron Cavs. Like, like Yeah, I guess the post Lebron Cavs are, are pretty close. But to me it was like they were bad, but then they got Kyrie, so there was some hope. Like the post the post Jordan Bulls in ninety nine and for I guess I would say three or four years after that, it was like the the Golden State Warriors now, but imagine if nobody was coming back. <laughs> <laughs> like imagine like, oh, but Stephen Clay, like they're never coming back. Like it's this team now for the next Three years. That's what the Bulls were. So I, when you say post, that's why I like I like I literally, my, my my skin crawled when you said the post Jordan Bulls. I'm like that was some of the worst basketball I've ever seen from a franchise. That um, just won know, But should 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 Patriots fan like is there a success in plan that that entails them getting someone now that is the long term answer or is it? We're just going to find a stopgap guy for one, two years. If people talking about Andy Dalton. If I was a Patriots fan, they signed Andy Dalton, I would literally vomit. <laughs> I'd be like, so we're throwing away the next two years? Or, I mean, like, we'd be better off drafting, trading up and drafting Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, Jacob Eason. And then if you still want to bring in Dalton, I guess, but we're st- I'm still like, man. like I low-key think that, and we'll talk draft very soon, I low-key think that. Don't be surprised if you hear a major, big name quarterback is drafted in the first round by the Patriots. I, I really like the be- Belichick. He's he's very Look, the he's theory, very shrewd you know, when it comes to the draft, and when he gets aggressive, bad. he's aggressive for specific players. And now that. he'll be more empowered than ever to to jump at quarterbacks. He's been interested in quarterbacks in the past. I think he's been kind of reserved in making any rash moves, primarily because I think that the owner didn't want any him. Anything to do with anything that may threaten Brady. And the one guy that he did, he made sure he got him out of there as quick as possible. So I think now that if this all this reporting is true and this seems inevitable, I think Belichick would be even more emboldened to be very, very aggressive. I'm not saying it's, like, it's a it's a lock, but
1: think I about, would not be
0: surprised if someone like Herbert Tua, or even Tua Tungavailoa is the quarterback yeah, of the Patriots Tua, next year. Think about Nick Saban and Belichick's exactly. relationship. Think about Tua being at you know an elite quarterback prospect with a major red flag. Do they say, "All right, we'll take the risk"? I mean, it still may take the number two pick in draft, but like, do they take the risk and trade up into the top three or four to get him? Um, and to and they were do that. They were prepared to do it with Baker yeah. Mayfield. So if I mean, I mean, I think Tua is a much better prospect than Baker Mayfield, especially when I So yeah. I mean, if you we were prepared to do it for Baker when you had Tom Brady already in tow, I mean, it makes sense to maybe do it for Tua. Now, I think the one person, if I'm New England, and they signed this guy, I would be excited. There's two people. One, I think Marcus Mariota as kind of a buy low stopgap that could eventually, him and James Winston, but more so Mariota in New England's system, could, could blossom into the quarterback of the future. But... Also, um, and also Mario is going to cost us in Winston, but I'll look out for, uh, Taysom Hill. Oh, no. Are you, are, you a, that, ta- that, are you a, are you Taysom Hill truther? I'm a Taysom Hill truther, Oh man. my like, God. I you think, and Mike Florio, man. Y'all need to start a club or something, yo. Now, I'm not sure if Taysom Hill is like, he could be terrible, but you mean to tell me as a Patriots fan, if they replace Tom Brady with Taysom Hill, I wouldn't be excited? I wouldn't I be I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be excited. <laughs> I've i have not. I don't. I don't know what Taysom Hill is as a quarterback. i He. Uh, I get that. I get that he's interesting. All Mountain West quarterback. Did y'all see him throw in college? I, I. I can't understand the people that are making the case for Taysom Hill as a thrower. There are people saying that he throws better than Lamar Jackson. Those fools need to be drug tested. Quoting Stephen A. Smith. Are you kidding me? Taysom Hill with his 53 percent completion percentage in college, overthrowing receivers. Taysom Hill was a running back playing quarterback in college. Like, he literally was, like, whatever you think Lamar Jackson was, that's what J- Taysom Hill was. He's playing running back now. Like, I'm not saying he can't be good. He may end up being good. I'm sure the coaching with Sean Payton, and you know Belichick loves Sean Payton, the coaching he got with Sean Payton, working under Drew Brees, and then even working with Bridgewater this year, I'm sure he, he has potential. It's just nuts to me that people are like, that's the guy I want starting next year. I'm like the guy who's been catching passes and screenplays and stuff. Like every time he throws the ball, it, like I've never, I haven't seen him make a big time throw in, well, in a see, real what, game. That, but that's people saying about Lamar Jackson, man, coming out of college. I never seen Lamar Jackson line about wide receiver. Back. I've never seen that. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm, well, I'm, say, I'm saying more so like questioning a guy's ability to throw the ball. Like Taysom Hill can. I mean, he's not. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Patrick Mahomes. You don't think that it's ridiculous to say that Lamar Jackson, that that Taysom Hill threw the ball comparably like Lamar Jackson in college? That seems ridiculous to me. We both watched Taysom Hill play at BYU. That sounds nuts. (laughs) What I will say is Taysom Hill was a very productive quarterback at, at BYU. He wasn't a Heisman Trophy winner. But he's yeah, a very productive, productive quarterback player. and player. I'm not gonna say he was this great productive thrower like that. Like, I'm telling you, man, if he was Joakim Hill, it would be his. It, we would not be having this conversation. <laughs> we wouldn't. And, and 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 it really isn't a diss because the guy is a great athlete. Like I, I like understand that. And and he got he played quarterback. Yes, it would be very interesting and potentially electric. But and we're talking about. I mean, he's twenty nine years old. This is not a, a young player. This is a guy who's been around the block. He played at he was an old player at BYU. Yeah, he went on a mission, you know, took a took plenty several years off. And he had but, injured. Like he, he had like two senior years at BYU. Yeah. So I don't in the in the season where he played at least double digit games, he never broke sixty percent completion percentage in either of those seasons. And it wasn't like he was playing in this like super pro style offense where you know completions were hard to come by. Like you can make the case that Allen was okay, but he was playing a really you know not sophisticated offense, but he wasn't playing in an easy completion offense. And he's playing in the bad weather. He's he's inaccurate. You see, he's inaccurate now, but that's a fair case. That's a fair point about Allen. And you see, he can make throws now that he's been in the NFL. But that wasn't the case with Hill. Hill did have some bad weather, but he was playing in a spread offense where usually throws are pretty easy and open and he was erratic he was electric but oftentimes erratic no so, no, I, no i would I, be I, not be excited I, about Taysom hill i, I would, I would not, be i would be interested and hopeful but not excited that wouldn't be the I'd word rather, i would use. I, I would rather have martin mariota he's cheaper won't cost you a first and second round pick as a restricted free agent and he's younger so i mean yeah i would rather have mariota but i mean Taysom hill is intriguing you know, like especially if you're New England and those types of quarterbacks have given you problems in the past. Um, do you think that that's? Do you think that those shoes, like Mariota, gives me the impression of the? He gives me the. He gives me the impression that like it's not that he's really bad, but like you know the weight of his pick and what he was supposed to be in Tennessee eventually just collapsed onto him, and then he was unrecognizable by the time we got to this season. Do you think that now putting the weight of him being the guy that replaces Brady is good for him? I'm not saying he can't be a good fit somewhere. I, I agree. I think that there is upside potentially with him. But to me, and that's the, now maybe that's just an impression I'm projecting onto him. But that's the projection I have of him. That's the view I have of him. The perception, rather. Is that the weight of being high in trophy trophy winner, number two pick, and then getting to the NFL, and these guys being so good. It wasn't like, again, it wasn't like he was bad, but it was just... There was well, no way he could I, live up to that, and I don't think it was a good fit in Tennessee. I think there are a lot of reasons, you know. I I, I think there are better cities, than, you know, that would have been a better fit for Mariota. But I mean, I, I I think I think he can play. I think he's a system guy primarily, but New England has a heck of a system, yeah, to put around him. I definitely would be intrigued by the. I would. I do agree with that. I agree with the system fit, and I agree with the coaching staff. That that does intrigue me about him a lot in New England. It's nothing to do with his ability or the coaching staff. It's the situation. If there was a guy, and then he got there and became the starter, I'd be like, fine, he's not the guy replacing the guy. But for a guy who just seemed like he couldn't overcome, and again, I and I, and your assessment of him is 100% accurate. I agree with everything. Yes, wasn't the greatest fit. They didn't put a lot of pieces around him. All that's true. But nonetheless, I still feel the way I feel, that there are some players that have that and they still rise up, like Andrew Luck. Like, I I feel like he never really could live up to what Tennessee was asking of him. And eventually, I thought it—destroyed is a strong word, but I I think that, again, I think it was overwhelming. It's the best word I could use. And then, hence, he started to play worse, and then they got benched. For a guy who just went through that, and you're talking about the the mental psyche, we just saw, you know, a big fight this weekend with— uh shout out to the gypsy king um heist and fury with with deontay wilder and the question being you know now that wilder a guy who's undefeated who had all these knockouts now that he's been knocked out tko or whatever like you know will will he be the same sometimes boxers who who, who go through a beating like that are never the same and that's kind of how i feel about mariota obviously mariota was nearly as successful as deontay wilder but that boxing analogy that the guy who had these expectations. Had was some RG3. success. Are you the same same way? R, at least R. Three had injuries though. That, that I can even, that's like even that's even more like technically. mechanical he or of physical. Leg. Yeah, he still that's fair. That's thing. fair. True. That that is true. That that's and that's fair. And that maybe maybe that is a better that is a a decent comparison. But I, I, for me, maybe I should be giving that more credit. But I, again, it's more mental. I'm like for a guy who I feel like again mentally collapsed under I mean, that yeah, pressure. You, you I don't you know if I want him replacing like, Brady. <laughs> yeah, I. I guess it ha- that's why I say buy low. Like I don't think the expectations would be. And now, Patriots fans, look. I know Boston fans. Yeah, exactly. You know them. Yeah. So I am know. a Boston so, fan. So <laughs> I you know mean, what you the be expectations be right. will be. Yeah. Yeah, and they they'd be like, oh, we getting number two pick. I even trophy <laughs> Mariota again. You know, and uh, look, I mean, well, so on so the suspect. suspect. He's like, he, he ain't Brady. He ain't looking like Brady. Where's yeah, Tom? Yeah. You know, I guess <laughs> Mac is Mariota. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. No, yeah. Uh, no, I, I feel like with Mariota, I think it would have to be a situation like, look, well, if they if maybe they, if they did trade up to draft to him, and you get Mariota, you know, I mean that would that be interesting? Two Polynesian quarterbacks and went to the high school in New England, but um, but no, I think that that uh, I I think like if you draft a quarterback, bringing Mariota, kind of let them compete. Um, I think that might be the way to the way to rock. But if I am, if if you ask me though, point blank, which side feels better about this breakup, I think it's Brady. I think Brady has more. It, options. Oh yeah, I agree with that. I, I even think, though I think it may not be smart to leave, I still agree he will be better off than the you know, Patriots will be. I think the Patriots, and I think the Patriots are cocky. Belichick's cocky, so I, I don't think he cares. Yeah. But I think he's gonna realize, man, the grass is not greener. Andy Dalton or, you know, with the grass is not greener with Taysom Hill, at quarterback. It's, it's just not. So it should be interesting. You know, I hope you like Jake Fromm, but um, I just, I, I, I think you have to lean with Brady uh, winning this one. Division amongst the NFL player ranks, the NFL PA executive director, Damari Smith says he's confident the players will approve the new CBA that was narrowly approved uh, by the player reps this week. It was a 17-14 vote. So that shows you how split the, the actual vote was. It comes as several high profile players like J.J. Watt, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers have expressed concerns or outright came out and said they will be voting no on the deal. Now, of course, the CBA includes uh, a 17 game schedule starting in 2021, which is among one of the main sticking points. But there is said to be motivation amongst what Damari calls the core players, the 60% of NFL players who right now make the league minimum and will see their cap salaries increase by $100,000 in the amended deal that was sent over and approved by those player reps. Players who make an annual salary of $4.25 million will also receive an additional game check rather than seeing their weekly pay capped to $250,000 for that 17th game, which is a big sticking point. We mentioned last week because they had ended up, uh, I guess I just said, amending the deal and sending back something different. So, Kendall, do you see this deal as currently constituted going through, considering the division that we're seeing play out in the media? Mark, the, uh, I think uh, one of the Pouncy brothers had a really long emotional post about, you know, oh, I know, you know, our some of our teammates are struggling. We need to, you know, tell, you know, give them some money, pay their rent. Like, you know, I guess he's trying to, he don't want to do this, so he wants to know, hey, man, we ain't forgetting about y'all. We'll, we'll help y'all out in these hard times. But what do you what do you make uh, of this, and do you think that this deal will, will in fact, be uh, finalized? I, 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 it's, it's funny, because, you know, when I was younger, like, these, these types of labor disagreements to me were very, like, interesting. They're so interesting, but now they're kind of more, like, they're kind of so, like, have nothing to do with me you know how i feel that like i kind of don't even know what to say because i'm like look i'm not an nfl player i mean i I mean i've I've worked with nfl players but i i can't tell you you know how I. that's interesting though because you you've now had experience working with nfl players i was thinking it would mean more to you yeah you know so i've seen the day-to-day i've seen the grind i've seen you know what teams can do what they can't do it is interesting um I guess to me, like it is, it is, it is interesting. The whole dichotomy of the star player versus the guy who is was at the, is, is on the bottom of the roster is coming from the practice squad. Like those kind of guys. It's, it's definitely, it, they, they, it's definitely something that every team deals with. Uh, you're going to have your guys that are your franchise players and you guys that are coming from the practice squad. And, um in this situation the guys like their 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 voices way equal which is rare um but i don't know i guess i guess for me it's just like this is just such a personal it's kind of just a, such a personal matter i mean like e.j imagine for you or for any person in in the public or, or private sector uh imagine imagine if we had the media analyzing like every little bit of a labor disagreement like obviously there are times where the media does cover you know public labor <laughs> labor disagreements if, you know the teachers stop working or the you know or whatever other public the teacher is always the one that people go the craziest about but um like but it's always it's always kind of an uncomfortable situation to cover. Um, I guess for me, look, I think it's hard for me to say yes. We need the 17th game. I I don't, I don't think I, I think there's there's a lot more. I think the I think the owners get a lot more from a 17th game than the players. That's what I'll say. Um, oh, for, I mean, for sure, right? That's, <laughs> that's clear. That go kind of goes without saying. But, but like, now the players. will... now one thing about it is that with the 17th game, there's one less. Preseason game, so uh so that's the one the oh great! Players, the players hate the preseason, so that's. But like, that's one more game where I'm taking way more hits. <laughs> if I'm gonna start, yeah, playing, exactly. Playing the yeah, it's still it's a bad trade off, but just there mm-hmm. is a trade off. Just to be fair, and if I'm a and if I'm a I'm a practice squad guy, mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, it's one less time, one less chance for me to audition. Yeah, especially because that third, that fourth preseason game is just like a. It's just a pure. It's like the XFL. <laughs> I mean, it's just like all guys who you may never ever see in the NFL again. Just getting their one shot to put on good tape and, and maybe somehow make the team or make another team, make a practice squad somewhere, or make the CFL. Like you know, so you know, will we? Will that third preseason game become that? You know, like you know, will, will, that would be interesting too. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm 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 kind of like look the 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 owners get more from an extra game. I kind of don't want it to change. I'm, I'm fine with the way it is. Uh, I do understand the the issues that players have with turning it down. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers had a big thing where he had to kind of explain his, his his no vote um, and how it wasn't really a personal decision, but it was a team decision. And but some people don't necessarily believe that. Uh, but I don't know. It's it, it's interesting. Um, I'm I'm excited. I'm not gonna say I'm excited. I mean, I, I'm not, not I'm excited by this kind of stuff. But uh, you know, it's it'll be uh, you know fascinating to see how this plays out. Um, but my guess is that we don't get it. Yeah, it's man. I mean, we've we've seen it over the course of decades, and decades. But the NFL owners, you know, they're nasty sometimes. When I say nasty, nasty, and like you know. They do some messed up stuff. We talk about it on the show, but there's no denying these guys. When it comes to business, they know what they're doing. You got to give it to them, man. Like this to me, how they've played this whole CBA situation has been brilliant. It's I mean, we they, you got the point where we've literally turned the other side on each other, and when you have that, I mean, now you're in a great position of strength when it comes to negotiating. And a lot of it came from not being. Well, one standing firm, like Demaryius Smith came in and said, "The you know the seventeenth game was the starting point for negotiations." And I'm like, "Wow, talk about just coming in being like, this is what's gonna be." Now let's see. Coming in hot. Yeah, and 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 and, and, and now talking about concessions, and I, I do feel sad sometimes, like man, the NFLPA still is really, really, really not comparable when you you know look at his counterparts in the NBA and and the. In Major League Baseball, for sure, uh, they still don't get as much revenue. Even in this new deal, with the increased revenue, it's still not the split is still not as as close as it is in other sports. Um, you know, Roger Goodell and his you know all authoritarian power just in all these deals we've been g- talking about with ECBA negotiations, never once seems to come up. Players complain about it a lot, all the time. Every time somebody's getting suspended and they don't like it, or Roger Goodell's Putting this thumb on the scale in a way that's uh, frustrating for players. They 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 chirp. I whenever it's time to come to the negotiating table. I, I I don't know. All I see is shook ones. I don't I don't I, I know I, I that that to me is really frustrating. Uh, player safety again big deal. They talk about it. Hey, we playing all these, we taking all these hits. You guys don't care about our bodies and our recovery. They come in in 17th game. Then you say okay. Well, can we get a, an extra bye week? They're like no. The, the 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 preseason game that you don't have is kind of like another bye week, which I'm like, how is that that like that's not true? Like how you like how is that a thing? That's not how that works. That's that's like because you don't have something, therefore that's an extra week off. It's like that's not no, what, like that doesn't make any sense. So like, but what they did was they gave them smart concessions that that motivated what Demaryius Smith calls the core. You say all right yes there's some nasty stuff in here quote-unquote but yo man y'all minimum wage guy we can give you a hundred thousand dollars just extra just that's just your that's just your salary and then we got the extra check that you're getting for the extra game so you got these guys can i mean you again you've been in nfl facilities you know obviously these you know these guys are paid well but you know you get some guys that are the millionaires and driving certain cars and some of the guys that you know are just made the team or squeaking by, and they might not be driving the same Ferrari or Lambo you see in the in, in the facility. You know what I'm saying? So that extra hundred dollars ain't nothing. That extra game check isn't nothing. And and then and again, also smart. Once the players, the star players, are like yo man, how are you gonna cap our extra game check and say oh you only get this amount? And that that would be a petty fight, and that would be stupid from a business standpoint for the NFL to fight that. They're like all right, fine, we'll give you an extra game check. So that's now really a lot more money for the. Star players, And to me, the star players, it was a principal matter with the game check. But again, these guys are rich, like, I mean, well, more than rich. The money wasn't the issue. They really don't like the whole deal. So now when you give them that, you take away that talking point, now it's harder for those players to go back to their rank and file and say, well, now I got to play for less than what I'm worth because you guys are going to get more money. Like now they don't have that talking point. So, But that's smart business. Like, cutting your losses in those little little, little concessions by coming out hot by saying, we're getting that 17th game. You guys can like it or not. It shows strength from the owners. But again, once again, NFL Players Association just not living up to the bill. And that's, uh, and like I said before, that's the part about this that to me is still frustrating. Um, that, you know, there are, again, some other parts of the deal that that, that make it sweeter. You know, there are less padded practices In, um, in, uh, during training camp, it's a pretty significant drop, I think, from 28 to 16, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it's not like, again, it's not like there's nothing here, but you know, again, the NFL players, they really did have a lot to, uh, to give up here. And, but because green money, all that stuff, it talks eventually. Now, we're gonna get this. This is gonna go through. And, i don't know it's 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 just crazy because the nfl wants to do this so they can get these tv deals and lucrative deals done with the 17th game 17 ske- 17 game schedule well ahead of time because this deal doesn't expire till march 2021 so they're moving with a sense of urgency so they can start putting these deals together instead of having to kind of shoestring something together uh you know next year with the uncertainty of a contract so there is so the players have some leverage but it doesn't the, again, the NFL owners are making smart concessions. They're not really—the the players aren't really holding their feet to the fire on things that should matter. And like I told you last week, man, I really feel like the NFL, while obviously Kaepernick put a major black eye on the league, I do feel like he did them a favor with these C, this CBA. Because, again, player safety, besides the padded practices, where obviously that is a big deal, not having to practice in pads in training camp is important. But getting another game, but all the talk we had this, that this past decade about player safety— and it's getting that, and pretty much no pushback. We're getting a little pushback, but still, it makes seem, seems like the guys that don't want to play the extra game are going to be outvoted. Again, guy tip your cat. The game recognized game. That that's 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 good stuff there. Can um, okay, let's talk combine. So, and specifically start with Tua. So Tua is receiving Tua Vailoa, who the Alabama quarterback who we mentioned a little bit earlier, receiving high marks both personally and medically at the NFL scouting combine, which is officially underway. Teams are said to be happy with his medical reports and have been impressed with him uh, in interviews. Some teams who have drafted QBs last year, like the Giants and Redskins, have raised eyebrows with their approaches to this year's combine. New York GM Dave Gettleman saying the team will, quote, take the best player available uh, when asked about the status of you know having uh, a quarterback that they just drafted last year coming into this draft and uh, Washington uh, is already actually sitting down and meeting with Tua F- Tungvalu. It may have happened already, or may be happening as we speak, or it's, it's already on the schedule for that to and happen. And Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow, right. And they kind, just, of yeah, kind of wins the time. Yeah, Joe Burrow is not going to be there unless they decide to give the moon to Cincinnati. But the uh, but obviously, sitting with Tua after you just drafted Dwayne Haskins, interesting. It shows you perhaps how how pleased teams are with uh, Tua Tungvalu. Meanwhile, uh, draft gurus are saying that uh, Tua can go as high as a four to Detroit. And Detroit, um, Matt Stafford, what his history... Or three. Yeah, Detroit's three, three. Yeah, three, sorry. Three to Detroit. And Matt Stafford and what his future is, they say that he ain't going nowhere. And you know, Tua may be a, a, you know, a redshirt kind of guy anyway, though, again, they're saying he looks healthy. Um, nonetheless, interesting. So... Kendall, do you think that if you were in this position, do you think Tua deserves to be drafted in the top five, despite the injury and everything that's happened with him? Um, it's interesting. Look, I think you know, did we was it on this show that we had the discussion that you know it was ridiculous to people that were lumping Joe Burrow and Tua together in terms of number the, the number one pick? Uh, I think we had the discussion on this show. Um, I want to say it might have been a Kendall's Court segment or a Flame Flames Trash segment, but yeah, I mean we talked about that before, and I thought it was crazy that people were that there was this momentum that Tua could go <laughs> could go ahead of Joe Burrow in this draft, or that that people would there are scouts out there, legitimate scouts and legitimate media people that would rather have Tua Tonguayloa than Joe Burrow, uh, and I thought that was crazy, but that 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 notion. Uh, seems to be picking up some steam. Uh, And look, that's coming from somebody that throughout the season, I stuck with Tua as my number one guy. You know, like, throughout Joe Burrow's season, pretty much up until the LSU-Alabama game, I was like, Tua's the number one guy. You know, like, there is no... And I guess it wasn't really about Tua losing to Burrow that knocked me off, but it was, you know, all the ankle injuries and stuff and... Burrow just was not missing. <laughs> so it was like, alright, at some yeah. point I gotta gotta acknowledge this guy's impressiveness. And then and then the gap widened. It was still a very sliver gap where I think that Burrow passed him, but the season went over. And then Tua had the the, the horrific hip injury and uh Burrow ended up continuing to not miss all <laughs> up until the, the national championship game. So I, I think that gap widened fairly considerably. Um but I think there is that thing in when you're in, when you're scouting, whether it be in ba- basketball, football, or anything, um, you don't want to overreact to a small sample size or mm-hmm. a sh- a small period of time. Mm-hmm. And if somebody was the number one guy, I think about it in basketball all the time. You know, where we look at a guy like, um, like the people that thought. Uh, the people that looked at Brandon Ingram coming out of college and the people that looked at Jalen Brown coming out of college, they were in the same draft, uh, same position. Both guys, top guys coming out of high school. But for the longest time, Jalen Brown was was rated higher coming out of high school than Brandon Ingram. But Brandon Ingram had the much more impressive freshman year. And Brandon Ingram ended up getting drafted higher and was a consensus better NBA prospect than Jalen Brown because of that eight-month stint in college where they're in totally different situations, things happen. Yes, Ingram had a better freshman season, but the factors because of that. I don't know, but we'll never really know. But I guess my point is that you don't want to overreact and change the entire narrative when you have, especially in football, we have three years of scouting these guys. Of course, Burrow wasn't a starter for only one year. Two was really only a starter for one and a half season. Uh, but still, um, you still have all these all this time. Why would you f- completely, you know, change the narrative of of your draft board uh, because of you know a couple of Tua injuries and Joe Burrow? Be you know, uh, reasonably, he's playing. He's playing incredible. That's not saying mm-hmm. much, but. Um, it's still, it's still, you know, five months. You know, it wasn't like he, it wasn't like he put a, put together two, three years of incredible tape. So from that perspective, look, I think Tua has to be considered that the top guy in this draft. But then you look at Washington. Um, that's the situation. They have Dwayne Haskins, Chase Young's on the board. I think this is a smoke screen. Uh, you know, I just can't take this seriously. I think they are considering maybe trading the pick. Like they have that option on there. And so they have to pretend like they're drafting two of us so that teams uh <laughs> the teams will be willing to trade with them as well. Yeah, you trading out of that pick when Chase Young is there. Oh, I... Maybe you're trading to three though. I mean maybe Detroit is that desperate. That, that seems, that, that trained, seems but... unlikely. I haven't seen any scenarios there. That just seems nuts that you trade teams, out of. I mean, look, we saw two. Chicago do it with Mitch Trubisky, man. <laughs> yeah. Chicago was so scared that San Fran was gonna draft Mr. Risky they traded up a whole one whole pick and gave them like multiple multiple different assets. I'm not saying I think that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um and it did not work really for either team, but it certainly did not work for San <laughs> Fran, We ended up with uh Solomon Thomas. But um I don't know. I, I, I feel like I don't think either I don't two is not gonna be at five wherever the Giants are. Four, or the Giants 4? Or 6? Giants you know. at 4. Giants at 4. two Tua's not going to last. Eh, I mean, he could. He could. Unlike, it's unlikely. But it's it's possible. Miami's at 5. If they really want Tua... That, and that could also just be them saying, look, Miami, trade up to 3 to get Tua so that our guy, whether it's Jeff Okuda or whoever, drops to 4. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because if Detroit... If if Miami is sitting there at 5 and saying... Yeah, uh, the Giants and Redskins aren't going to draft a quarterback. The Lions have already said they're not going to draft a quarterback. So why trade up? You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless some team comes out of left field and dumps you, which is still possible. Why trade up unless you got teams like the Redskins and Giants, the Giants in particular, are saying maybe we'll draft two. Maybe you have to trade up to three to get him so that you knock Detroit back and then whoever the Giants won at three – Will be there for, so uh, that's just you know a little bit of draft you know strategy for you. But I, I don't think I don't believe Tool would ever play for any one of those two teams. We wouldn't play for which teams? Like I think he would. Like, I mean I don't mean would as in like he would opt oh, out. Oh saying, yeah, yeah, he won't I don't get think there. He will. I get you saying. Yeah. I, <laughs> oh, you got to be careful with this quarterback. draft. Stuff. Yeah, I mean because we're about to probably go down that road in a second. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, uh top five that that's close i think he's right on that borderline um I, now people have made the case that you know this injury he had with the hip is a trauma injury not a sports injury or definitely not a wear and tear injury per se so um the fact that he's healed from sure. it, i don't know what that means what does that mean so essentially think of a trauma injury like a car crash like he, something happened to him that was freak, and therefore that's why he got hurt. It's not because he's particularly brittle, or right, because, right? Or right, because right. he's played a lot of sports, and now this was bound to happen to him. Just, that's what they mean, but I say a trauma injury. So that, that that's why the medical, the medical he's gotten that he's recovered clean, the MRI eyes clean. He looks like he's going to be strong, and he's going to be able to you know recover fully. He excited so many teams. They they already were on the case that well this isn't really football related it's football related obviously he got her playing football but it's not you know wear and tear sports you're a brutal athlete kind of injury it's this is again like i said a a trauma injury that that is so that's why they're excited again i'm not a doctor but i don't know i guess my i still have some concerns about health with him now some people have said you know the ankle which has been the ankles that have been a problem for him some have mentioned that maybe uh, in other scenarios where he did get surgery maybe he wouldn't have got surgery till after the season and, and um and that you know maybe what we're looking at where a guy who's had four or five three or four or five surgeries maybe in a different team or different with different doctors maybe he would have only had the frac the the hip fracture maybe those other things could have been handled in a different way but um but for me man we're drafting a quarterback i, I need to be 100 percent sure that there's no not 100 sure. I need to be pretty solid that there there isn't a reason reason for me to be very concerned about his long term health. And I know his medical looks great right now, but I don't know how you can say that confidently about Tua, a guy who's played a college schedule and almost every season he's played, or it, no, in every season he's played as a starter. There's been something with injuries with him, and and it's a football. Obviously, is a violent sport. And it's not going to get easier with the NFL going to 17 games when he'll probably be finally, you know, starting. And he may start next year, but if he's not, 21, he will be one mean, will be starting. He's going to be playing 17 games. Or did his mobility kind of take a hit throughout his, his career? Yeah, it did. I mean, now, again, I mean, you're playing through pain, playing through injuries. I mean, you're going to be play different. And sure. the fact that he was able you to know, still perform at such a high level, I mean— I don't. I don't really question his ability. I. I don't have much to really say. I mean, you know, the only question I guess with ability for him, is just you know he had such elite top end type type talent at receiver. So when you're throwing the guys that are getting wide open that can't be covered one on one. When those guys are covered and you gotta throw the guys, you gotta throw guys open. Like, can he do that consistently? We will, we just that's Burrow had the same question. Right, I was gonna say you're always gonna have a question with a guy who had those kind of athletes. I, I would make the case that I've seen Burrow do that in more examples than I've seen Tua do that, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I've I'd have to i well. have to really sit down and I eventually will I have to really sit down and watch the tape. But I just to me that's again, I always talk about the thing that presses me most about Joe Burrow is ball placement. It's not the throws where guys are wide open, it's the throws where guys are covered tight and he still finds a way to make the throw. Now those guys make the catch and those guys are, you know, six foot three and six foot two and six foot four and much bigger and stronger than the guys they're up against. And NFL that would be a lot Let's different. See if John Ross makes that catch. Right, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So things are going to be different on the next level, and I get that. But I just think there's been a, a little bit more of an apples to apple comparison with some of the throws I've seen from Burrow than I did from Tua, even in three years. That being said, though, it's not really much about his ability because I know he's accurate. I know his arm is strong enough. I know, I know, uh, I know he's a lead, he's a great leader. It's, it's just about health, and that would make me pause in terms of. Drafting him in the top five. Uh, Miami is a situation where they're, they're in such need of a quarterback. I mean, if he gets to five, I, I could see them wanting to take him. He falls that far, but on the Giants, I still got a quarterback and Dan Jones who shows some promise. On Detroit, I know Stafford's been brittle and and you know, I, I see the 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 appeal appeal of wanting to go try to find your future. At the same time, they also have huge holes, particularly on defense. They got to start filling some of these other holes they have. So I don't know if I'm passing up on Isaiah Simmons, a guy who's a Jack of all trades type defensive player, or if I'm passing up on the cornerback from Ohio State. Like those those kind of defensive impact players can can change. Not they're going to change your complete franchise, but they can be a great building block. And then one and two, it's not a conversation. So I'm not I'm not trading the tra- trading guy like Chase Young to me defense. Uh, Edge rusher, him that's that good. That's the value in that is like a quarterback to me. You think about edge rusher, left tackle, and quarterback to me, they're almost quarterbacks number one. But then edge rusher and left tackle are almost even. You can make a case that edge rusher maybe surpassed left tackle at this point in 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 the league. So a guy that good, I'm not risking taking someone like Tua who has had injury history, and because of that injury history and things I mentioned, I'm still taking Burrow over him. But um, but I'm happy for the kid, man. I'm really happy that he's. Uh, survived some of the the questions he had about his health because it was. I mean, really, yeah, we were talking he, about him as a second round, third round guy, or that he should stay in school because of just how catastrophic the injury <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, that that would have been that would have been bonkers. Yeah, uh, so the fact that we're talking about him, you know, comfortably potentially going in the top five, definitely comfortably going in the top ten. I mean, that's, man, that's it's, a great it's strange story. man. I mean, like that's some NBA stuff. I feel like you see that in the NBA. You don't really see that in the NFL though. Yeah, Typically, guys have major injuries. They they fall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, you know. Shout-outs to Tua, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him get on the field whenever he eventually does and hopefully stay healthy. Uh, real quick, I do want to mention uh, Joe Burrow as well. Of course, um, he's at the combine, not throwing, but he did uh, you know, get all his measurements. People were not too happy about his hands being 9 inches. I don't really care, but that, that was a talking point. Apparently. Interesting. There aren't too many guys that have been great that have hands less than 10 inches, I think is, the, is what I was heard. heard. Um, 9 is definitely not a great number. But, yeah, nine is the smallest. Yes. So yeah. that, that's uh that did raise eyebrows. But the bigger story was what is his deal with Cincinnati? Because we've been hearing these kind of weird comments about his willingness to play for the Bengals or his eagerness to play for the Bengals, and it didn't seem very high. Now he's saying that uh that 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 that, that those discussions need to be down he's downplaying them. He says that they're being blown out of proportion. Um but in previous comments uh he, he said that. He mentioned having leverage in in the situation. And then, yeah. <laughs> I went, where did he say that? Cause when I heard that, I was like, when he they said that. He <laughs> I, I watched the Dan Patrick interview where he said and they asked him, "So yeah, you want to play for the Bengals and I want to I want to play for a team that's dedicated to winning." Was straight out of the Carson Palmer playbook of mm-hmm. Carson Palmer bashing them because exactly they they're not dedicated to winning. So it, was, it kind of felt like you know coded language there. Well, the but, leverage thing came in an interview he did with the Star Telegram where he said, "Quote." I do have leverage. They have their process, and I have my process. We haven't even gotten to the combine yet. There's a lot of things that happen <laughs> that happened leading up to the draft, yeah, and a lot just, of information that, gathered. Bro, bro is I like bro. He's a no filter type of kid, but that's just like that's that's definitely kind of a that's definitely a sleazy thing to say. We have our process. <laughs> you, they like, talk about is. just completely detaching yourself from the team that wants to take you. It's like they're doing their thing. I'm doing my thing. Yo. You want to know when you're a relationship. If you if you're if you're in a relationship or a relationship that didn't work out and it's over, and but you may be interested in wanting to eventually you know figure it out. And, and you know they ask you know your former significant other like what's happening. The worst thing they can say is they're having their thing. I'm doing my thing. That 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 talk about just again just completely detaching yourself in the situation. When that happens, it's lights out. So him talking about you know they doing their thing. I'm doing me. Whenever yeah, I'm doing me, that's, that's absolute that's COVID the language for I have nothing to do I with think- anything they're doing right now, and I don't care what they're doing right now. And you should care if you're going to be the number one pick. That says a lot. I don't know yeah. if it was on Barstool or if it was on Dan Patrick or where, but he had said something about, you know, we're going through a process like him and his camp. So, like, that's not the first time he's, he's said something of that nature, but he also said at one point the leverage thing is weird, like because my that's my biggest thing is he doesn't have leverage. But I well, well, well just quickly on the leverage thing, he clarified that at the combo by saying that he meant leverage in that he doesn't uh, have to throw at the LSU pro day, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, that doesn't make sense. Like he, that's not going to stop anybody from. from yeah, I, I don't understand that. And then, um, and and another comment I wanted to point out too was. You know, him talking about, this isn't before the, you know, before he left. Or, no, rather before he left. But this wasn't before the NFL season was over. We didn't know who the no number one pick was going to be. This was February 18th when he said this um, uh, to Bloomberg News, apparently. Uh, whoever wants to pay me money to play football, uh, play the game of football, I'll play for them. I mean, that, that to me is, that's almost as as uh, damning as all the other stuff. That's been kind of, that one was downplayed. But like, you know who's going to pay you. What are you talking about? (laughs) Like, like we know who is going to be the team that is going to be paying you. You're saying I'll pay for whoever pays me. It just seems weirdly vague. And then again, addressing addressing that comment, he was like, um, quote, I just didn't want to be presumptuous about the the pick. That's why I've been noncommittal because I don't know What's going to happen? They might not pick me. They might fall in love with someone else. You guys kind of took that narrative and ran with it. Uh, look, that, that's one of those things where it's like, look, you can't then you can't then point it on the media when you were the one talking about leverage and my process, their process, and committed. I want to play for teams committed to winning. Super. Yeah, Bowl. he said you want to go number one, but. He also wants to go to a great organization committed to winning and committed to winning Super Bowls. I mean Again, there's only one team that's gonna that's number one right now. It's not like like he keeps talking as if like, oh, there are all these teams that could possibly be interested in me. Like, there's one team that's number one. So when you made the case that Yeah, it's great to go to number one, but I also wanna play for a team that can win a championship. It's like, well I mean, I I would have loved to have seen that interview, like if I was doing the interview, I would ask, "Well, Joe Burrow, do you think Cincinnati is a place that's committed to winning a Super Bowl?" And that would have been a very interesting answer. I feel like, I feel like, you know, again, I think it's kind of like I kind of talked about, you know, the NFLPA being shook ones. I think he's kind of being a shook one right now. I think when it became, when it wasn't really the nitty gritty combine stuff, he was willing to kind of flex his muscles and say, uh, "Yeah, yeah. You know, nah, Cincinnati, exactly. I'm willing. To, I'm going to talk." To stand yeah. up on that podium. Yeah, and you got all those lights and cameras and the NFL coaches are right around the corner. The Bengals, you know, you got the Bengals people with their gear walking around the facility. You know, you're meeting with them in a couple of hours. And you talking crazy like that. Now he ain't talking like that. So I think it's a little different when you're in a radio interview or you hanging out with Dan Patrick or you talking to some reporter from a newspaper and you really ain't hot on Cincinnati. You'll say some, some, some slick stuff. But again, like you said, that podium is a pressure cooker. We've seen guys go up there and melt. And I think that he kind of. And I know for, I, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> there, there are some teams that when they when they bring in their uh, when when they bring in their their rookies for uh, like, you know, for you know pre draft interviews at the facility, you they can't they can't work them out. That's against that's against uh, CBA rules, but they're allowed to. Uh, obviously, they're allowed to do a lot of different things with them. And one of the things they do sometimes, certain teams, is they'll uh have a mock uh, press conference. Where they'll Wow. They'll surprise them by not knowing that there's gonna be a press conference and they'll have the press conference there. And uh I, I don't know how Drever would have done. <laughs> you know, he's kind of a funny yeah. guy. You know, that I don't know if he handled this as well as he probably could have. Yeah, and then he he cleared it up saying that, um, I'm not going to not play you know, cause there's word that, will he set out and... The and that's recreated. the question about leverage I was going to ask. He said, I'll play for whoever does drafts me. Does he really have leverage? Yeah. Yeah, he does. he does. Yeah, I think anybody... I think any... In the NFL, the way that they haven't, like, you know, fundamentally changed the rules. I Yeah, I do feel like if you're the number one pick and you don't want to play somewhere, you now, you got to sit in the pressure cooker. Like, man, now, in fairness, while well, I was going to say, prop to Eli for standing in that prepper cooker and facing those boos and, and, and all that and facing all the criticism he took during that time. But he was insulated. He had the Manning brother, the Manning father. He had the Manning, you know, almost organization kind of around him, allowing him to be that villain during that time period. Uh, Burrow doesn't have that. <laughs> Burrow is yeah, if he's doing he's it just, is just a guy. Him. He's just a guy who's good at playing quarterback. He doesn't have the – yeah, it, it, which makes it worse, maybe for him. Makes him look like yeah, man. Right. Like a, so, so he doesn't have he doesn't have the uh, the, a- the NFL establishment and the media establishment protecting him the way Eli did. Even though Eli still did get crushed during that time, um, he wasn't. As, he's not as insulated. He's way more. Um, he's way more touchable, so to speak. You know, like like he, you know, he's not going to be somebody that uh, that's going to be protected. So, again, I think that he got there and he realized. I just I cannot talk the way I've been talking like about the Bengals. I he may still feel everything he said before. I think that he definitely I don't know I want to say that he he definitely does want to play there. I think he has great reservations, and if they decide to trade the pick, I think he'd be totally fine. That's how I feel about it. I think he feels like if they got me that I'm, I'm gonna go and it's you know an NFL team and whatever it's in Ohio we will make it work. But I do feel like he was gonna do everything he could to kind of again. Say some say some slick stuff to maybe give the impression that he won't maybe go, and maybe the Bengals will look for someone else or And look the Bengals have him. put out some feelers that they that they may be. I mean apparently after. apparently he wowed them during their interview today, or whenever this happened recently. This was news breaking today that he All they right. were floored by just how impressive he was in their interview. Now, all well, this think, all mean, this stuff is all strategy. So we get these reports, I mean, who yeah, say that? They put these out, they put it out on purpose. Maybe they want to drive up their value. They say, "Yo, we love this guy. Yeah. If you want if you want to try to him, you better give us everything, and that will be smart." If you're, you know, I, I think, the Bengals being smart, uh, <laughs> not necessarily, <laughs> we would definitely It's few and far between the examples we've seen that over the last, you know, few decades, but it would be a good move If, that's if, what they would if you're the do. Bengals, do you do – now, see, I don't know how the Bengals feel about the rest of this draft. Particularly, I don't know how they feel about Justin Herbert. But there were feelers being put out there after the Senior Bowl. The Bengals coaching staff worked with the North, I believe, side. It may have been the South. I don't know. The, the Senior Bowl is weird. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm guessing the North because Oregon. The Bengals worked yeah, they... with – the North team, Mm -hmm. which had Justin Herbert on it, obviously, so they worked, the coaching staff were closely with Justin Herbert, and then there was feelers that, look, there's another quarterback in the mix, not just Chase Young, not just Joe Burrow, at number one, but also Justin Herbert, not Tua, uh, ironically enough, and it sounded ridiculous, but you wonder, could this be a situation like, and I don't think it's going to happen, but could it be a Luka Doncic-Trey Young situation where I think we all know Burrow's a better prospect than mm-hmm. Trey, than, than Herbert. He's a better prospect than Tua, mm-hmm. although some people like to disagree. But if the Bengals identify a guy that they are willing to take as a, a, as a consolation prize, a very specific guy that they have a reason for drafting, I don't know if it'll be as obvious as the Trey Young thing where uh, Travis Schlank coming from Golden State wanted his own Steph Curry and then got Kevin Hurd to be his Clay Thompson and he was trying to recreate the Slash Brothers and the Warriors model and formula so it was a little a little more specific but still identified them, the, the fact that they wanted Trey Young so they were willing to give up Luffy Doncic to get that um, would say Carolina who brings in Joe Brady has way more motivation to get a quarterback now, probably post Cam Newton, potentially post Cam Newton. Would like if you trade down to six, you get Justin Herbert. Carolina gets obviously you maybe you, may you may get way more than Justin Herbert. But that's part of what you're getting. Carolina gets Joe, uh, Joe Burrow. Like is that something that we could see here? Unlikely, um, probably not. But in the in the event that Burrow kind of was still very very. Wishy washy on them Could they just say, you know, what? screw this guy. We're going to go with Justin Herbert. We're going to take our five, six draft picks. Yeah, yeah. And- I, think, I think that no. was. I think it was possible. I think that, and I, I think this is a very fluid process, and anything can happen. So I'm not going to say that it's off the table completely. But yeah, I think that I think Herbert is. I think to some people, especially the Bengals, particularly for their work with him, he's very, very, very intriguing, and. Burrow, I mean, the the guy was was what he was last year. But there's just... If there's one knock on him, it's going to be... We saw you the year before. You didn't look like this. Like, okay, you improved, but are you a one-hit wonder? And uh, Herbert, you know, for... You know, this this is starting to matter a lot less now, but it is what it is, man. He just looks like an NFL quarterback. Take that as you would. As you will. (laughs) But that's... He had to look... And he's good. I mean, he's he's a, he's a talented kid. He's a great leader. Um, uh, athletic. Won he's won a lot of games. So you know, credit where credit is due. I'm not just gonna say, oh, he has a quote unquote look. He's also really good. So yeah, I think that that's for the Bengals particularly with that quarterback on on the board. Yeah, it's possible. I just I think that they 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 definitely want Burrow, but yeah, it's a fluid process and anything's possible. I know him saying that you know he didn't want to be presumptuous. Like, I, the one thing I did think about was, remember when we just assumed that Reggie Bush was going to be playing for the Texans? It was just a foregone conclusion. And no it was completely shocking when it, he ended, they ended up going with Mario Williams, number one. Have we seen that again recently? I feel like there have been other situations where, like, in the yeah, NFL process starts out, one guy, and then by the end... There have been times where we don't know. Like, you know, the Browns, we didn't know who you were going to pick, and they ended up going with Baker. But there have been a time where we were, like, so sure this guy was going number one, and then it changed. Not in, not in a long time. I mean, not. I mean, that was the one, that I, that was the craziest one I've ever seen. Where that was truly stunning when they flipped the script. And it was crazy because that was when you could, you know, negotiate and agree to deals before the draft. I, I, yeah, I love that. So right. they signed a deal with him before the draft even started, and it was a record deal. They, and they were negotiating with both guys, and we all were kind of surprised. We were like, why are they negotiating with Mario Williams? Like, is this like a fallback in case like the Bush thing fall apart? But then, it, even though they never they they never agreed with Bush, uh, he was the guy they wanted. It wasn't like oh they were. It was like a fallback plan. Like they 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 wanted Mario Williams. So that was stunning. Yeah, I mean that doesn't really happen. I'm looking at the history of the NFL number one picks. Usually this thing is like a foregone conclusion. Very rarely. I mean, Baker Mayfield was the last guy that gave us any kind of you know drama, and like even that was kind of like we kind of expected that. You know, uh, I mean, Baker that we we expected that maybe a week, you know, it may not even a week. I would say maybe a couple of days in. Right. Uh, I mean. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. You did ask from the beginning of the process, and then yeah. So that's yeah, that's, so, so, yeah, that's fair. That's why the Patriots were going to trade up to get Baker. Right. Exactly. Like, should, uh, where is he going? Is he going top five? If you know. And all of a sudden it was like no, the Browns are gonna draft him at yeah. like, all right. I mean, I feel like there were a lot of Cam is a bum truthers in twenty eleven to where That's what was I was kinda about- un- it was kinda of unclear what his value was immediately like very early on. Then it became very clear kinda of quickly, okay, and the you Panthers know what it really was like about him? Cam. The thing about Cam also was that Andrew Luck hadn't come out. Right. Exactly. had Andrew Luck come out, he probably would have went number one. Or at least we would have had a real conversation. Yeah. But then Luck decided to stay, which surprised everybody. Uh, and then, you know, it became kind of more clear, like, look, if they're going to draft a quarterback, which they probably should. Cam Newton's like LeBron James. Like, they're probably going to draft him. But, um, but yeah, there was there were there was certainly a lot of people, that were like, look, Andrew Luck's better than Cam Newton. Like, I don't think Cam Newton's the best quarterback, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in college football. So, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I think this is another slam dunk more than likely, but uh, you never know. It would yeah, good stuff, Damn. man. Good, good stuff on, on the football talk here. Let's uh, do flames and trash, Kendall. Uh, I'm gonna go first. I tweeted about him this morning. I think this guy deserves a lot of credit, man. I gotta give it to Russell Westbrook. He had another uh, really outstanding performance last night against the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Completely up, up against another, you know, exciting young player in John Morant. Just completely. John Morant gave him a lot of, a lot of. Call yeah, he said. He, yeah, he said that this guy is disrespected. This was before the game. And maybe he was trying to butter him up because he knew what was going to happen. But he was like, the guy's disrespected in this league. You know, he's had obviously triple-doubles and stuff. People don't understand how great he is. And then he went out there and showed it because uh, he had 33 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. Turnovers were high. There always going to be high turnovers. But, I mean, he just dominated the game. I mean, plus 37 in a blowout win over a pretty respectable team in Memphis. And... I got to admit, Kendall, we you had a, a lot of spirited discussions about Westbrook. And I didn't like being anti-Brody on this show because I generally like Westbrook. But, I, I again, I feel like I'm a, I am call it how I see it on this show. And I thought Westbrook was on the decline. I made that very clear. It looked pretty obvious to me watching last year. But I, I got to admit, man, for this season, I was definitely wrong. Um, He's put together intrigued. a tremendous, tremendous season so far. Yeah, that, that Houston trade definitely looks weird because Chris Paul is playing so well. Both guys but I, are playing great, yeah. But I think that this was a trade that was better for both teams. You know, like, I think... Now, I think in the long run, the Houston losing all the draft picks. I, I saw someone joke that uh, Houston the Houston sports teams will have a draft, first-round draft pick for, like, five years. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's... Astros, Rockets, and uh, Texans <laughs> giving them all their first. Um, but... <laughs> So that that's going to hurt them, but in terms yeah. of like players, the one for one swap, this has gone way better than I think both teams could have expected. Definitely, Westbrook in the month of February is averaging thirty two points, seven rebounds, and six assists, shooting fifty four. Pe- better than Harden, he's shooting fifty four percent from the field. Yeah, there's some people talking about MVP talk for him. That's how good he's been in December in January. This was the All Star game push, but he averaged thirty two points, shooting fifty two percent from the field, eight rebounds, eight assists. And his his uh, player efficiency has been uh, outstanding, and after you know a, a kind of a I don't want to say a slow start to the season, but I mean we you know that that video with us talking to uh, to coach uh, coach Nick from Basketball Breakdown. Now he was you know making the case that you know maybe western's played okay recently, but maybe they should think about moving him at the deadline. That just yeah, looks Nick nuts now that, because that of just how Western's played. Uh, that coach Nick interview had not aged well. Yeah, shout out to Coach Nick though. He's a super. Yeah, Coach super Nick's smart our guy. We got to get him runner. back, man. But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely try to get him back on the show. But and but in while, yes, that interview did not age well. The way Westbrook had played throughout much of 2019, it, it didn't. It wasn't. It was out there, but it wasn't just completely insane. Like now, it's completely insane because he looks like to me. I, I said very clearly, he's easily a top three point guard in the NBA. And then. Where you rank him is up to you at that point. Like, you know, one, two, or three, I'll leave it up to anybody. But there's no question he's top three. And he was not top three last year. At yeah, all. Not like even close. To I don't like it either. Yeah, I, I still don't Stuff like it. With Golden State, you know, all right you want to bully these guys that, <laughs> you that know, clearly you can't, can't defend practice. themselves. Like yeah. 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 You know, and you want to bully these guys who certainly will not be there next but year. But that's that's who he is, though. I mean, you know, some, some things I just kind of move on from in terms of my outrage with him. Not to say your outrage, but, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't love it, but that's Westbrook. Yeah, we have ain't to talk about the change. Houston thing, man. Like, it's working. It is. The no big man it thing, it's not fun to watch. But no. it is working, and it's helping Westbrook the most because he has a clear lane to the basket every time he drives. Yeah, and no one can stop him. If they collapse, then he has a, there's wide open shooters. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to see how this works in the playoffs. But it's certainly interesting. This is a random sidebar. But mm-hmm. if the and this is going to be a completely random question. Okay. But if the Clippers could, I saw this thrown out there on a, on another place. But if the Clippers could nix the Paul George trade right now, would they do it? No, no. Even, even if I told you, like, you still get Kawhi, but like, you can just oh, we'll, get, we'll just take Shea and Gallo back and get all those those twenty draft picks that we got. I think it was like seven, six or seven. <laughs> I must say, I must say no, because I think that in the end of the, at the end of the day, number one, I don't think they would be able to navigate the days where Kawhi was taking games off as well as they have. Fair. And so, in terms of seeding and stuff, why, I would I would also still feel like they were a dangerous team that could still get to the championship. I think that their seeding, who they may play in, in the playoffs, like they may find themselves in difficult matchups. Now, to be fair, with the way they're playing now, they may still find they themselves still in, very, five in very yeah. difficult matches. But in talking about how the season is gone, Paul George has carried them in games where Kawhi wasn't there, and they were able to win those games because Paul of him. George. He's been very but, hurt. That's been the issue, man, how was that? He's just had a lot of injuries. Yeah, and. It's definitely an interesting question. Is not that's also a not a crazy Shane question. Gal has been excellent. Gal has been outstanding. Shea is just a star. <laughs> um, you lost a million draft picks. And Paul George, talking about a guy with injuries, he's starting to look like a guy that he's kind of always gonna battle injuries over the course of the season. You know, he's not kind of a barrel chested, you know, big guy. You no, know, he's strong. He's very strong, but just I, I just think that. He just looks like one of those guys that he's always going to miss, like, 10 or 15 games. And you just hope that it's not more than that. So, not having all those draft picks, losing such a young stud in Shea Gilders Alexander. And, and, and a team that is kind your of your that— project. Yeah, and, for, and a team that depth is not as much of a question as you would think for a team that put went all in on two max guys— but I mean, it's not like a strength per se, you know. Yeah. Now it's, the, it's like better t- than it better than it should be, but not necessarily a strength. Relying on Reggie Jackson now, you know, to exactly. lead the, the bench unit with Lou Williams. Um, yeah, no, I think I think it's an interesting question, but I guess I guess the one we won't really truly know the answer until we look at it in hindsight. What happens when in free agency in two years? But like this could end up being as bad as the Brooklyn trade if. Like there's a version of this where the the Clippers are the Brooklyn Nets of like three years ago, in a couple years. Ago. Well, that's definitely the, the darkest that's, timeline. For yeah, the that's Rivers. a very dark timeline. Yeah, where Bomber is like, man, can I just go back to Microsoft? Yeah, <laughs> can, I just, can I sell this team? But just like Prokhorov did. But yeah. um what's Flames for you? Yeah, so Flames for me, EJ is uh, I'm, as I teased at the top of the show, going with Jason Tatum. Uh, I think this is an easy one. Um, Jason Tatum, man. You know, we didn't talk about him when he had that. I don't don't think we talked about when he had that tremendous game before the All-Star break against the Clippers where, you know, Paul George got hurt early on in the game, but uh, Kawhi was out there and all the other guys in the Clippers and as well as Kemba. And Jason Tatum was by far the best player on the court being guarded by Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard could do nothing with him. No. No. of course, there's a lot of switching involved and things of that nature, but still, it's rare uh, he makes. It's rare Kawhi looks like that guarding anybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was impressive, but you're like, all right, it's one game. Clearly, looks like he may have taken a, taken a leap, but you're like, you'll see how he looks post All Star break. Uh, <laughs> then we have the game this Sunday in LA against the Lakers on national TV. And he drops 41 in a loss, but uh, drops 41 in a game. The Celtics probably, I wouldn't say should have won, but very well could have won. I would say should have if Gordon Hayward didn't make a dumb make a dumb playing transition with 50 seconds to go, uh, trying to score the basket instead of you know dribbling it out. But still uh, took the L, but Tatum, I would say, again, was by, by far the best player on the court. Uh, in that game, playing as LeBron, Anthony Davis had dropped I think 14 points when guarded by Anthony Davis on six for eight shooting. I mean, Anthony yeah, Davis could you, you, do anything with him. You talk about heat-seeking switches with the best defensive player in the league, and putting up those numbers—it just is just that—that that was it, he was very impressive. Yeah, and to the point where they were just like, "We got to send doubles, man." Yeah. We got to send doubles. He was probably a little bit out of his rhythm in the fourth. You know, KCP was kind of getting under him a little bit, and mm-hmm. you know he hadn't been in the game for a while, so I think that kind of messed with him. So he wasn't as dominant in the fourth quarter, but um, still, I think I mean that game was impressive. But then you're like, all right, that's two games. It's two games, but like we'll see if he can keep this going on this West Coast streak. He, he has a back to back on a on a on a Tuesday Wednesday night in Portland and Utah. Where he drops over thirty in both games. On like sixty percent shooting in both games. Um in the month of February, he's averaging thirty points, uh, percentages through the roof. Um, I believe true shooting percentage in the month of he shoot, February. He shooting fifty percent from three for February. He shoot fifty percent from three. Like shooting percentage is like sixty four percent. And he shoots nine threes a game, so it's not like oh he's taking one or two a game. He's shooting a lot of threes. He's shooting them at one to He's he's the first he's the first player under 21 to average 30 to score 30 points in three straight games on 60 on 60% shooting since Shaq and Shaq the center. Yeah. You know, Shaq's not taking any threes. So when he scores 30, 30 he better, you know, go 60% shooting. Um, Jason Tatum <laughs> getting 30 in, on 60% shooting is very impressive. And the fact that he's doing this, I mean, he's, He's doing things that don't, like, I forgot what, I don't remember what the stat was, but it's something with, you know, there's so many Jason Statham stats that have been thrown out there, but something with, like, you know, averaging 30 and, like, shooting 50% from the field or shooting 50% from three. He's, like, the first sell he'd do is his live bird for a whole <laughs> month. Like, yeah. just crazy stuff. Where you're like, man, this kid uh, is going to be, this kid's going to be incredible. He, he is incredible. Now, I would say he's the best player on the team. Uh, and I think he's going to end up being an All NBA guy, which, I, I mean, I would have never guessed. You know, so, I thought yeah. it was it was a question whether or not he even make the All Star game. Uh, for some people, and I mean, he's he's a legitimate candidate to be an All NBA guy. First, sec- I maybe mean, not first, but second or third team. One of the most beautiful things to watch in the NBA, Kendall, is watching a very talented young player see the light bulb go on, or you know, like just seeing it click. And that's what we've gotten to see from Jason Tatum in February. Sometimes, I mean, and he was having a great year already. but sometimes, yeah, he was an all-star, picked to be an all-star before February. Exactly. Sometimes, Kendall, your, your ability and your talent level matches your, just the way you kind of see the game. His talent was undeniable, but he was still a young player, and he played young. He doesn't play young anymore. He is this month, like to me, he's one of the most fun guys to watch offensively. You know, a lot of people because you know he's wearing the purple wristband for Kobe during this road the trip. Purple wristband, Tatum is a bucket. But but while people are <laughs> mentioning Kobe, Kendall, to me, not the explosive athlete this guy was, but he looks like Tracy McGrady. He like interesting, like, interesting. I the three point shot, the, the ability to pull from anywhere, the handle—I mean, his handle is just insane for a guy yeah. his size at that age. Easily one of the best mean, ball handlers can, at his position. Yeah, he, he can score from anywhere. Like he's Tracy McGrady. Like, like, and we've been waiting all this time to find a guy who was Tracy McGrady. Like, team. Like a lot of people looked at KD, but then he, you know, get growing to seven feet tall. Yeah. And we, Paul, George, you know, Paul George has gotten some of the comparisons, but Paul George is not as smooth. Grady had a, that was so smooth. It's it's hard to compare him to other guys. You know, Ice Man, the guy people talk about a lot when you're comparing him. The way he did things just looked so effortless. Not to say that it wasn't effortless Not to say that it was effortless, but to just make things look way too easy. I haven't seen a guy do it like that since. McGrady. Like, that's what Tatum looks like to me. Because people say, oh, but what about Melo? I'm like, Melo always looked like he was working hard to score. He was great, but he was always working hard. Kobe was great, but he was always working hard. It looked like he he practiced a zillion times everything he tried to do. McGrady had a way in which he played in which it looked like he just could roll out out of bed and just went out there and played like that. Obviously, we know that's not the case. But there's a certain feeling you got when you watch T-Mac. That's what I see when I watch Jason Tatum. It's been... Unbelievable. I mean, I'm a Knicks fan, so I don't want to sound too excited. But it, it really, if you're a basketball fan, though, to see the, that young talent, just, you know, okay, he's got it now. Like, you know, right in whatever you think his career is going to be. But this guy is now a superstar. When you see that light bulb uh, turn on, it's, it's awesome. As a basketball player, I get excited you hear it in my voice because when you see that, you know you're watching something special. That's what we see from Tatum, man. Shout out to him. He's had a great run. And shout out to... Uh, I want to give a shout out to Kobe White too. Uh, he barely missed my uh, my uh, flame segment. <laughs> yeah, Kobe the, uh, three straight games, thirty points, and a lot of people saw as a disappointing year. Another kid, not now on, on a different level, but seeing a young guy, another young guy, kind of turn it on, uh, have that have that have that thing click for him. He clearly, shout out clearly was having trouble earlier in the year, but he's he's playing great ball now. I I actually forgot because initially my flame was gonna be St. Louis basketball because. Shout out to Brad Beal as well, man. Oh yeah, well, Brad Beal, a complete yeah. <laughs> sniper this last week. <laughs> Bradley Beal's been an animal this week, dropping fifty every night. Yeah, <laughs> regardless, win or lose, dropping fifty, mostly losing. Um, yeah, man, free Brad Beal. He's in a terrible situation. Uh, I don't know what to do. You know, I. But. It's just still <laughs> there's not much you can do because I mean obviously trade the headlines pass, he's kinda he 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 made his bed, he's he's out he's in the situation he is, but. but you're gonna try to let everybody know how you feel. Because <laughs> you get yeah. him on that bench. Man, and yo, it's funny, I was it, watching that game, I yeah. saw it and like I didn't say anything, but I, in my head I'm like, yo, he looks dejected. Yo, Bradley Bill I didn't expect it to be a meme though, but Bradley Bill is like he might be the most expressive player in the NBA. Who would have thought? Yeah, cause like, he doesn't say much. But that meme or, of him in the tunnel, that picture, not that meme of him on the bench. Like we never think about him because again, he's kind of quiet. He doesn't, you know, he kind of just goes about his business. But you know how he feels about everything based on his face when he's Absolutely had it. What? Another so he's guy. had with a fan, or when he's had it with, you know, <laughs> uh, with uh, with his team. Like yeah. he can't hide it, and his face <laughs> is very expressive. Uh, another guy. Uh... Zach Levine, did you see Zach Oh, my Levine, God. Man? Zach Levine and him just, like, having no... He just For had him, it with Jim Boylan, Bo- man. Like, he's just... Yeah. I mean, but. first we had, like, last week, you know, Jim Boylan called the timeout. We're down by 10. with like 30 seconds left. we to go 30 seconds. like, why the blank we call the timeout? We're down by 10. And then we had, you know, this week, you know, he's looking at the bench. We don't know. He claims he wasn't talking to... to to boiling, but he looking at the bench. He's like, you know, like man, I got at forty F points. Calm down, <laughs> or something like that. And you're like, man, <laughs> probably talking to boiling. He also proceeded to right after that, then get the ball and then pull up from the logo and drill a three to cut it to one. Like yeah. another guy, big shout out to him. He's also yeah, he, he's yeah, he's he's a terrific player. But it honestly though, we should have known this about Levine's character. It's not to say the bad character guy, but it's just a quirk. He got drafted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when he got drafted, and he was, he looked like he could, he looked like he wanted to be anywhere else. But in in New York, being drafted by Minnesota Timberwolves, he said "F said, me" when he got drafted. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so like, clearly, he has no like wherewithal for like, you know, where the cameras are and facial expressions and body language. Uh, and that's something he'll have to improve. But uh, I think the Bulls will take you know him being a. 27 point score or whatever he is. Oh, believe me, the uh, the way the war that's brewing between him and Boylan, Levine will win. <laughs> you would hope so, but with guard packs, I mean, we're gonna have to be with Yo, Shytown, Shytown. Don't let them don't let them trade Levine to keep Boylan. <laughs> I don't let them do it, man. Like I you mean I, you got much, I got too much I got too much I got too much respect for. Uh, I'm a Knicks, yeah, a Knicks fan. I don't like the Bulls, but I got too much respect for the Bulls fans, and for the city of Chicago, for them to allow that to happen. Don't let it happen. That's all I got to say. Uh, let me do trash, Kendall Kendall. My trash here, uh, David Ortiz, man. And I, I I, did not take, I didn't want to do this because, you know, David Ortiz obviously had the terrible, terrible situation where he, you know, was shot in the Dominican Republic. And it was great seeing him at the Boston uh, Red Sox facility. He seemed to be doing really well. He seems to be in great spirits. Mm-hmm. But uh, I gotta, I gotta make him trash this week because he pulled uh, uh, Jessica Mendoza and uh, Pedro. Pedro also did it. Pedro did it too. Oh my god! What's well, yeah, with my so Mets, cause That's guys. the thing. Cause Pedro works for the, he works for the Red Sox and on TV. So that's why Manfred came out and was like, we can't have the Mendoza's and the Pedros that are advisors and consultants. Yeah, and they, they can't, can't have that. Yeah, they got them out of there quickly. Um, but. Ortiz also uh, expressed displeasure with Oakland A's pitcher Mike Fears, the whistleblower in the sign-stealing scandal involved in Houston Astros. And he was like, his his quote exactly uh, last week was, I'm mad at this guy, the pitcher who came out out talking about it. And let me tell you why. Oh, after you, you make your money, after you get your ring, you decide to talk about it. Why don't you talk about it during the season when it was going on? Why didn't you say I don't want to be no I don't want to be no part of it? So you look like you're a snitch. Why you gotta talk about it after. I mean you're a snitch at regardless, Bobby. That's that's my problem. Why nobody's saying anything while it was going on? You can't oh, come on, fam. There why, are there are a multitude of reasons why yo, it made like makes no sense. Like, first of all first of all, he he wasn't involved with it. He was a pitcher. So I kind of don't like the whole, like, what was, you know, Verlander? No, like, I'm like, I I don't, like, I don't know. Like, that's not, like, if you guys know the way a team works, like, the pitcher is, it's almost like offensive and defensive football. It's like a whole different part of the team. I'm not saying, yes, they knew what was happening. They're in the dugout those games. But, like, I just, that part of it, I'm like, you made your money, you won your rings. Like, well, he didn't, yes, he contributed. he, He benefited from it overall, but it wasn't like he was the guy who was getting, Signals and therefore pitching better, but secondly, it just—I just don't have any kind of bail to shoot anybody who is making the case that the real story behind the actual stealing sign stealing scandal is Mike Fires. <laughs> I they, just no bail. I have no nothing for you. Sorry, this is the wrong person. You gotta have to go take that line somewhere else. It doesn't make any sense. And whenever you had the guy pointing to. The guy who talked about the issue, it just it just really does just raise an eyebrow to me about just like your whole outlook on life. That the issue you see with massive scandals are the people who point it out. And you can make any analogy you want in your own head with what I just said. But people who do that constantly, it says a lot about them. We can go in a certain direction with David Ortiz's history with PEDs. I'm going oh, you know, you know, to the leave it there. I'm going to leave it there because he denies he ever did it. But the there's plenty of David documented Ortiz stuff there. It up in the in Hall the of Fame conversation. I'm always, every year, I'm like, well, we don't got, we're not putting bonds in, but we're going to put David Ortiz in. But all right. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm, I, it's all there. I don't got to go into it. But to me, I just, that, with that also hanging over these comments, I'm like, not only is this a terrible message. But you are the wrong messenger, homie. So glad you're back. So So glad you're healthy. It's great for baseball that you're back in the game, Poppy. But this was trash. So, therefore, you're trash. So, we have to, we have to, I find it interesting because, you know, we talked to, uh, or I talked to uh, uh, Billy Torres about, you know, from the, you know, Throne Tales podcast. Uh, We talked to him about it. Uh, we were talking about this Astros thing, and he made a good point where he was like, when you talk about David Ortiz and Pedro, like, these guys, some of it is also, like, cultural. Like, you know, the idea of, like, snitching is so, like... Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah for sure. So, you know, frowned upon that, like, you know, is it, it like, is it, can I be with that? I can only be with that upset at these guys. Because, like, they kind of, you don't want to say they have to say it, I mean, you could have said no comment, but that also would have looked strange. But like, it's in their fiber to be like, got to bash the snitch, got to bash the snitch. You know fair, what I mean? yeah. Um, so I think that that's that that is interesting. Uh, I agree from like a moral standpoint. Poppy looks bad in this in the scenario as did Pedro as did Jessica Mendoza. Uh, there is no yeah, there is no blame Might fires thing here. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't think, it. it I thought it was funny how like Ma, Rob Manfred said they're gonna go out of their way to like protect Mike Fire, Mike Fires, this season. I'm like I don't. In what, like in simple. what way? I don't know. I guess I don't know, protect him from being hit or like you know from opposing fan bases. I don't know. I mean, I, he's I not. He's Aaron. not. Isn't he a reliever? Well, yeah, he's a pitcher, so like he's not gonna be getting so, hit. Yeah, it's very oh. rare he'll ever. He most likely won't see. Like on that bat this year. If right. man, yo, know, if I'm who I don't know who the Oakland A's manager is, but if I'm Mike Fire and that dude <laughs> gives me a bat to go up to the plate, he don't wanna uh, he he may he may not be happy with what I do with that bat before I get to the plate. <laughs> with all yeah. this is going on, I'm a relief pitcher. Somehow you find a way to make me take an A B with Poppy and all these people slandering my name, I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> um uh what's your flame uh trash can though my trash this week ej is the nba the national basketball association they are trash uh particularly the league office you know they do great work obviously adam silver and his gang but uh they're, they're an easy trash news this week because today EJ, they implemented uh the first enforcement of their uh anti-low management Uh, Resting policy uh, because they fined the Minnesota Timberwolves twenty five thousand dollars for resting D'Angelo Russell in their last game, or uh, I believe I guess it would have been today's game. Uh, No, not today's game. I think it was early in the week. But the the Timberwolves decided I want to say they're facing the the Nuggets. They're facing the Nuggets, Uh, and they they decided not to play D'Angelo Russell. I don't. I guess this was a national TV game. If it was, I wasn't watching. But I guess it's considered high-profile, maybe. Um, and they decided to rest DeAndre Russell. He did not play. And the NBA... This was in Denver. Uh, and the NBA now has implemented the rule that, look, you can't rest guys that are healthy on the road uh, in what we consider, what we deem important games or relevant games. So which typically means national TV. Uh, so we're going to find him. We're going to find you guys. And Minnesota came out and said, all right, fine. We'll, we accept the fine, but, you know, we feel like the long-term health of our players, especially a new player that we added to our program, you know, you want to get to learn his health better and see how his body reacts to certain things. I, look, I, I, I'm all credit to Gurton Rosas and his his operations team and that organization, that front office, for handling it the way they did. Because they could have handled it like Mark Cuban and went on Twitter and you know had a tirade, but you know, they took it, took the fine, and but also stuck to their guns and said we made the right decision. You know, a meaningless game for a team that's not going to make the playoffs. against the Denver Nuggets when we just acquired D'Angelo Russell for as many assets as we gave up. Makes no sense for us to play him if we don't want to. And I, I understand the whole fan conversation, but is there, are, like we have to be realistic. Is there really was there really that many fans in Denver that were like, oh my gosh, Daniel Russell's not playing? Like oh my, God. well it's not Denver, it's the people who decided oh it's an NBA basketball game. Okay, I'm gonna watch the Nuggets. They should probably kill the T Wolves, but hey, you know Delo can get off. Who knows what will happen? Let me turn. Oh, Delo's not playing. Click. That's who they're upset about. That's who they're worried about rather. Well. I don't know. I don't know selling, man. Like, I mean, I'm, t- I'm just playing mean, That's what. That's the issue. That's but then, what but then why is it a thing about like them playing on the road and stuff? Like they're making this stuff up. They they have all these hijinks about like we're worried about the kid who's from from Memphis who you know can't see LeBron play because he's low managing. You can't see Kawhi play because he's low managing. But then you're 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 finding the T wolf for to, for resting Russell in Denver. I mean, I guess he's... I, I, I don't see... I, I don't think I don't. That that is fair. I don't think that you should... I, I I think that you should be able to do whatever you want when you're on the road, in my opinion. Like, if I, I was doing this whole thing, I just feel like... Like, to me, like, it was much worse. Like, to me, if I was a Knicks fan, I bought tickets to see them against the Clippers, and Kawhi didn't play, I'd be like, that sucks, but now my team will win. Like, I flew to L.A. as a Knicks fan, looking to see... The Knicks play against Kawhi Leonard, and he didn't play. And now, look, I, I have no problem with tanking or arresting, to be clear. I have zero issue with it. So I was like, okay, this is this is what's happening. But it, it hurts. It's like, oh, man, like, I, I, played a, I did a plane ticket. I flew across the country. I'm on vacation for a week, and it was all centered around this game, and the best player isn't playing. That, to me, makes more sense to be like, yeah, you can't do that, fam, if it was a situation where it was violating the rules and it was an FTV TV game. I don't get the road game. I feel like the road game... Well, I guess it look it's gotta be the thing of like, you know, you only see this person at maximum two times a year, sometimes like once. If They're sitting out, then there's no way you're there's no way that kid in, in Detroit's ever gonna get a chance to see LeBron. I they guess, but be. I just feel like there are certain, there's <laughs> yeah. only certain guys that like that's a big And with. that's my thing. Daniel Russell does not apply. Yeah. But yes he has fans. Yeah, yes, yeah. he's the marquee player for the team when Carlin King Townsend is there, but like, again, be realistic, NBA. There were probably no more than 15 fans in that arena that were distraught over the fact that the Andrew also didn't play. 15? Yeah. Especially the ones that were Nuggets fans. The ones that were Timberwolves fans, like I said. Like you said, I mean, They're I mean that's long tank. long track. <laughs> what I mean? yeah, probably, exactly. They were like, helps to take. Honestly, yeah. You know, let's take the L, man. But... That game was about the homecoming of Malik Beasley and Juan Hernan Gomez, whoever else. You know, if you really cared about that. But like... I'm telling you, Kendall, I think this all could be straightened out. I've said it, I've proposed it before. Just like any other job where you have to put in for time off and sick days. Just have them the month before have to play, say what games these guys aren't playing. I don't see why that's so crazy. Like... See, I thought you were going to say the even more drastic thing. That would certainly solve it from a league perspective, but the players would never agree. Is just make it look you play, you get paid for the games you play. No, I, I can't do that. Can't if, do and that. if you're injured, if you have a if you have right. an injury that we can confirm, then then yes, you get paid. But if if we can't confirm it, nah, we're not. Yeah, they're not, they're not ever Same gonna. Up. They're not ever gonna. That's never gonna happen. But but to me, that like, but to me, like, I very practical. That that's that's never gonna happen. I think that the idea that you have three rest games for players who are been in the league at a certain time and make a certain amount of money <laughs> See, no, it's, it's, it's business that's what you do in any other job like any other job you have personal days like any decent job you can't have the 10-year conversation <laughs> why not? Because, like, then DeAndre Russell wouldn't qualify. I mean, maybe. He no, he'd Russell qualify. He got a mass contract. Well, what about, like, a young player that, like... If you, he like should not be resting. Why would he be resting? That doesn't so make Zion any sense. be resting? <laughs> he was coming off an injury. I'm talking about a guy who needs rest just for no reason like this? No, that guy shouldn't be going to yeah, a Yeah, but Zion's coming off an injury, but he's also, like, they also have to... Load manager. I mean No, you can't do that with him. That's not that. That I think we, you're up to for a fine. But, then, that's but fine. see, that's when you get into that slippery slope of like if I'm the Pelicans, but load management. Pelican, is, I can't load manage Zion. No, because load management but, is, is supposed to be about protecting guys who are older. It's not about the rookie. Like that. The, like that's ridiculous. Like well, that I mean, guy should play so, unless he's the guy whose load has to be managed from day one. They can't. You can't start loading. You can't start managing his load. I mean, no, look, you, I, could, you could convince me that you can get rid of the tenure. I think that I, I would be fine if you had to be in the league for a certain amount of time. Because to me, like, those are the guys mostly you're worried about. Zion's a very particular case. Like, most other guys, we're not worried about we need to rest them three games here. Like, that's, I think it's just give the guys who have been in a certain amount of time three days, three games. And they have to pick them, maybe make them pick them before the season starts. Like, just like you would at a job. Like, I don't. This, the problem is the whole randomness about it. It's just like you don't know. All of the guys out. It's like you you know the NBA schedule. Just pick the games. If you know there are going to be certain games where he's just going to rest, and he's not going to be injured. Just pick the games. And then the fans know. Okay, I don't right. got to go to that I game. Can I can make my decision. I can sell my ticket and be done with it. I don't like this this idea that teams should be penalized for doing what's best for their players because of TV ratings. I get it's entertainment. But from the, you know, me and you on the on the same page on this aspect that like the purity of the sport. I'm never gonna care yeah. about TV ratings or any of that stuff. That's, I just care about the best product show, when we get to June. That's all we care yeah, about. Yes, it's entertainment, but it's also a competition. Man. Right. Exactly. And the Indiana Pacers, when Victor Oladipo messed up his his leg, if that could have been prevented by sitting him out five games, would have absolutely done that because they screwed themselves over. Exactly. Like. That you know, I mean, certain of course, freak injuries can always happen. But if you can take preventative measures to uh, to prevent those types of things from happening, then yes, you you take all the measures it takes. You take you do everything it takes. But yeah, the NBA doings have measures. So I just think finding teams is it's like finding players for flopping. It's just like. It's never gonna be enforced the right way because you're you're never gonna find every case. I mean, Kawhi Leonard has been low managed. How many times the Clippers only got fined once because Doc Rivers had a slip of the tongue and said that he wasn't hurt, <laughs> you know? But like, <laughs> and even that is like, all right. So only because by letter of the law they said he was healthy. But you know, I mean, guys have been low managed this year, but the team haven't gotten fined. Like it's it's bogus. But so yeah, NBA trash. All right, Kendall, let's wrap it up here. Uh, what do we got for Kendall's Court? Uh, Kendall's Court, I am talking about this hockey game that happened this week uh, between the Carolina Hurricanes and Toronto Maple Leafs. Again, a lot of you guys probably wondering why I'm talking about that. Uh, it's because of a gentleman by the name of David Ayers. Um, so the Carolina Hurricanes were the visiting team. They were playing in Toronto, Air Canada Center, uh, and they were down... Two goalies, uh, I guess, before the game, um, both their goalies injured, and in hockey, there is a rule. I actually learned this a couple months ago, uh, <laughs> uh, which I don't. Know, I guess I'll tell you off air where I learned it, but um, it talked It was talking to somebody. Somebody was in the NHL, but um, regardless, uh, in hockey there is a rule where like uh there they designated for each place for each team or each arena there they designated uh emergency goalie whether it's a coach whether not know this whether it's a you know an arena worker whether it's a ref I don't know there's always somebody who's, de- who's designated as the uh as the as the emergency goalie a lot of times it's coaches um but uh carolina was down again on the road down two goalies so they had to go and grab an emergency goalie from Toronto Toronto's own s- stadium worker at Air Canada Center works for the works for the organization uh I believe has some minor league experience kind of played a little bit but like <laughs> really is a Zamboni driver in the arena uh David Ayers ended up suiting up in goal for the carolina hurricanes against the team that he, he actually works for uh he did not well to continue the story uh the maple leaves got two quick goals on him it was a high scoring game but the uh hurricanes ended up winning this game i believe six to three was the final score uh the hurricanes end up beating the maple leaves with a a Zamboni driver <laughs> under goal, uh, and this it was, this goes down as the first time a, a in NHL history that a team has won with an emergency goalie. Uh, he got paid nothing for this. God, this that's, one, that's, that's that's which that's could gross. have been trash, but <laughs> that's that's another that's that's for another occasion. But got paid nothing for this. Got to keep his jersey. That's about it. But. Um, still an incredible story of basically, essentially, putting, pulling, literally pulling a guy out of the stands and putting him in a live NHL game and winning with that guy playing arguably the most important position. So, yes, that, that was Kendall's court for this week. Um, incredible story. Uh, I don't think you can really do this in any other sport. No, I was trying to think, body. I was trying to think, what's, what, what? Where could you do that in another sport? Like that's like putting like in the NFL, that's like making like somebody from off the street like your kicker or like your your long snapper or something like that. It's, like, well, man, I remember like, I remember when uh, the Jets up. when the Jets when Vinny Testaverde had Torres Achilles in Week One, for whatever reason, the Jets backup quarterback either got hurt or he couldn't play, so Tom Tupa, the punter, was the emergency quarterback, and he was playing quarterback. Like like the rest of the game, and he wasn't that bad. Like he played okay. Like he, I mean, he was a punter, but it was he was making some throws. He knew the offense. It was like it was still one of the craziest, bizarre, most bizarre <laughs> week one you, games I've ever you, seen. I, I, I tell you, just somebody that uh, has has been around a lot of NFL practices that is not practiced, <laughs> as far as I know. Well, I, well, that's that's a that's a Bill Parcells thing. Which you know, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, they're from that tree of making. Every yeah. athlete on your team, every useful. Prepare, every, yeah. So prepare, you are putting Troy yeah. Brown at DB, and uh, you know, and then Tom Tupa at quarterback, like they, you know, Ty Law, Whiteout, exactly. They, 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 they come from that same tree. So that's, so that's why that, 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 happened. But you're right. That's it was. Trust me, it was crazy when it happened, and and you being someone that was part of the NFL team at one point. Now, do you, do you think that's not normal? Do, do you think? Because now the conversation, people. I mean, look. I think it's a crazy rule. Do you think that this is something that one? Do you think there's a rule that should that should be around? Like it's kind of Yes. Because like, hey, this is why look, what, like, look why, what just happened. This is now a, a great mean, story. But like, why why wouldn't practically like why wouldn't there be? Why wouldn't you just make you know a defenseman the goalie for a day? You know what I mean? Like. I guess the goalie in hockey is such a specific position. They have equipment and stuff. Like, yeah. you can't just make anybody the goalie. Right. But, like, it's, it just seems like, man, like, in any other sport, you take somebody from the roster and you have to manage your roster a certain way. And in hockey, you decide we're going to – like, even in soccer, you don't just take a random dude and say he's going to be the goalie. You, just, you move somebody into goal. I'll be that's honest. Like, that's probably cool. the sport – that's probably the one sport where you could – that's the closest sport that you could probably get away with it and still win. Like I feel like if if like uh, Liverpool, like they 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 had to take a goalie from the stands who was like designated as an emergency goalie. Like the way they play defense and the way they dominate, like they they, could, they, probably they, they still could, could probably they could probably beat like, Fult- they could probably beat you know you know Fulton you know they can get a couple of saves like yeah like he only may have to make a couple of plays yeah like his free kicks are gonna look crazy but like. They could probably survive it. Like, they could probably survive it. He only even need to make a couple of plays in the game. And so, then my other question is this good for the game that anybody they want? should do it? Yeah. Because like, it, like it makes the Austin case Matthews that, yeah. is a superstar in Toronto and he couldn't score on this Right, exactly. Is that a bad look for the NHL? <laughs> I didn't. I never thought about it that score. way until you framed it, and then I was can't like, "Oh, that's on true." A, on a YMCA goalie, yeah. Imagine if, imagine how it would look in the NBA if you know Devin Booker couldn't couldn't score on like on me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Like I came out there. You yeah, locked a lot. him up. Like you scored, you held him to only twenty. <laughs> like it still it still scored, but it was like it was a normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. twenty points, and we we came out with the win. You know, I I ended up having like you no know, thirteen points. Like yeah, that yeah, it make it look like like I almost feel like with that though, I and, and with this as well, I almost to answer your question, I feel like the novelty of the story almost outweighs any negative. Impact yeah, any made, practical practical. So- look at it in terms of yes it does kind of look crazy that like they could pull anybody from the stands and like a team like Toronto who's loaded and then they have kind of underachieved a little bit this year but they're going to make the playoffs and they're a team that it has stars all over the place that they couldn't they could I mean you just got 10 goals on this guy you would think in like right. and the fact that he was able to, to do what he did I mean it's it's it is kind of weird but but uh but it's cool. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, the other thing I can think of too would be interesting, Kendall. And I I, I almost wonder if how this would go. If in baseball, when we have plenty of these games where teams run out of pitchers, where they got to go to a starter or they got to a position player, whether it be for a blowout or for an 18-inning game. Like, what if they had designated pitchers at every arena, every stadium? The guys who work there, and they would have to then pitch in those games. Right. Like that would be crazy because like you wouldn't know like what that guy throws and yeah, what I mean, the signs be, are yeah, that would be very fun that would that would probably be really really <laughs> interesting like he comes out throwing a knuckle while you're like what yeah because like because I'm kind of over like the position player pitching like I like that's like one of those things I think you can get over once you're like 13 but like, yeah, after a yeah, while it's I, like okay I get it like he's like, I Michelle. remember playing uh, I remember playing the you know playing MLB the show and like intentionally trying to like put position players like throwing Mike Piazza that's out that's there like, <laughs> yeah like how would how does this work and it never worked. I always always feel like Pudge should have had like a like he should have been able to throw like a hundred because like he has such a great arm. And I'm like yo man, I'm like yo Pudge's pitches should be a little better, man. Like you've seen him behind the plate, like he's got a cannon. You know, you no know, Vlad Guerrero should you know he should be throwing ninety five. Like, um, but yeah, I feel like that would be the, the other sport where I would like to. I don't know if it'd be good, but I'd like to see. I think that would be interesting. Um, and that would kind of throw a whole. And baseball is all about strategy. So like, talk about that wild card, like. Because that happens, like, fairly often. Like, teams probably have to go to, a, like, like probably half the teams in the league at some point have to go to a position player or, like, a starter when they don't want to because the bullpen ran out. Maybe even more than that. So, like, if that if you threw that as an aspect of the game, like, that would, again, be a real wild card to make things super interesting. So, it's a really fun story. Um, shout outs to that dude for playing the way he did in that, in that spotlight. Getting the win. Again, yeah. not getting anything. Not, he he played a full NHL game and got a win for his team. I feel like there should probably be a win clause. Like if the team loses, maybe give him nothing. but <laughs> Yeah, like, he should have got wins? some kind. He's got to get a check, man. That 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 he is. Get, that's that's at least thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, that, that's 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 foul, man. NHL got enough money to cut him something. Like <laughs> you would think so. He right? want me a game. And I didn't, I didn't get no bread. I want you a real NHL game, man. That was, there wasn't no like preseason. <laughs> Like a game that's going to attribute to your record Like yeah that seems a little foul. They got That's the one they got to figure, figure out about that But still fun story nonetheless um, Wow great show I thought this was I had a lot of fun I'm sure you had a lot of fun Kendall I hope you guys enjoyed it um, You can catch all of our podcasts on the New Generation Podcast Network you can find us on SoundCloud iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn Be sure to also check us out on YouTube New Generation Media Also follow us on social media You can find us on Facebook New Generation Media On Twitter, uh, New Generation Pod. And on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. You can find me on social media as well. On Twitter, I'm EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening to this edition of Sports Talk. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.